on episode 122 of Pixel Guide In. We pick retro games for each other to complete. Do we have any retro resolutions? Eric's state of gaming in 2024. Tim cashes in on the Switch 2 rumors. Battle of the 16-bit horizontal shmups. The Atari news continues. The GameCube and Switch have new SD solutions. Cody and Eric each have a new hobby. And Eric starts the Bigger Better Beer Tracker. It's the year 2024. My name is Cody Hoffman. And I'm Eric Nelson. And you are listening to Pixel Guide In. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing great. I'm uh, getting ready for 2024. Another year of podcasting. That's just great to hear. And do you have any New Year's resolutions by chance? I have a couple. I got to lose some weight. This has been a cruel, cruel summer. (laughs) Or winter, I mean. (laughs) So I got to lose about 15 and uh, then other than that, uh, I have one that's show related. Using the magic of mathematics. I Intriguing. Am keeping, yep. I am keeping a spreadsheet now of all the beers we drink <laughs> so that when it becomes year end, because I that was the hardest category for me because I couldn't remember the beers we had. I, I, I had to go back and do a ton of research this time. The spreadsheet's going to tell us what was the best mathematically, but we can pick our own personal ones, which can change if we want. I like it. But the math is going to tell us the truth. I like it. Well, Eric, I typically don't do a New Year's resolution, but this year I decided I'm going to use radio voice the entire year and never... (laughs) All right. (laughs) We're going to reach a whole new level of professionalism. Yes, I will talk in ups and downs, and I will make it very interesting to listen to, even though I have nothing actual to say. All right, I'm actually here now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't really do. I don't do the resolution thing. No, I don't either. I, I typically do not. I think it's good time to reflect, though, and see yep. if there's something I can generally improve upon. And that's what I think I'm going to do. I mean, I... I'm I'm for the first time in like 15 years I'm kind of battling like that I got to watch calories now so I really got to I really got to get back to running you've been running since I've known you what'd you say you've been running since I've known you yep but I stopped I stopped in the beginning of this winter and I swear like I've done that before and I've been fine but this year and probably because I'm older I stopped running just because I hate running in the cold and boom. I gained like 10 pounds in three months. I don't know. Sounds like a good time for us to crack open a beer to me. Yeah, I, hey, I'm down. I'm... <laughs> no, the one, t- the one, if you, I never made a resolution, a New Year's resolution, but I did try to do the, um, and I did fairly well, the read the Bible in a year. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty cool because the they have, Bible? they have, yeah. You don't, you don't want to try to do it front to back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a couple books in there. Well, a lot of them in the, in the Old Testament, like Numbers and Ezekiel and stuff. Uh, yeah. For those who don't know a ton about the Bible, or for those who know a ton but not by actually reading it, Numbers is literally just 
like you were saying, a list of number, a list of people's names. It's okay. like so and so begat so and so who begat so and so who begat so and so who begat so and just. <laughs> but what it does is prove the lineage of these people, and then there's um I can't remember what what book it is, but there's literally a book where uh where they're you know escaping Egypt and they have to build this tabernacle, and it gives you instructions on how to build a tabernacle, and it's seven pages long of them describing how to cut the cloth, and they measure everything yeah. in, in cubits. It's that sounds pretty interesting, honestly. <laughs> it, it isn't. I mean, it is for about a page, and then you realize, oh, there's still like six more pages of this. <laughs> yeah, I was watching some documentary, not a documentary, it was some something on YouTube about Noah's Ark and how it was explained how it was built in the Bible and how many cubits it was. Yeah, it's all in cubits. How, yep. how many cubits tall and wide and the length and everything. And I, I was like, what the, what the heck's a cubit? Cubit. So I was like, looking all online for a cubit. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, nonetheless, if you guys are here for uh, talk about build, building biblical structures, you're in the right place. Um, no, actually, if you're here for <laughs> retro video games and retro-inspired video game talk, Eric and I are the guys to do it for you. And Tim, however, he's not on this episode. Uh, you found yourself here at Pixel Guide In, episode 122, Eric. Uh, we're only 78 episodes away from episode 200, so we're going to we're gonna have to play on that pretty soon. Um on this episode of Pixel Guide In, we are going to, first and foremost, jump right into some quick questions. So we talk about video games right up front here. I'm sure we'll get into our beers quickly as well. Don't you worry, Eric. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have an Eric's take. He's going to talk about his state of gaming in the year 2024. Yes, the state of gaming. And uh, just my observations. I did absolutely no research, which is my way. I like it. Uh, Tim went ahead and provided a tea time with Tim for us, so he will be here with us uh, on this episode, just not live to recording here. He's going to be talking about, and I'm just going to read it exactly how he wrote it, Switch 2 for 2024, question mark? So we'll see what that means. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I've been reading a lot about the rumors, because there's nothing about it, but I'm interested in hearing what... uh what Tim thinks about it. And I'm sure Nintendo's going to listen because they want to know, well, what are we going to put in this thing? The switch to, they want to know what what Eric and Tim and Cody think about this topic. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Then we're going to jump right into the news. Let you guys know what's happened in the last month or so in retro. And we're going to finish it up with a killer battle of the systems. We like to jump into shmups almost twice a year. I think we like to jump into a shmup battle. We just love our shmups. I do. It's one of my favorite. It's become actually one of my favorite genres. It's all, I've always loved it, but I, it's become one of my because they're 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 pick up and play games. Like you can just pick it up, play it for twenty minutes, and and, and if you die, you can go do something else, come back. I, <laughs> I love shmups. I think they're amazing. And this particular battle is a sixteen bit battle, right, Eric? It is. It is going to be Gradius three on the Super Nintendo versus Thunder Force three on Thunder the Force. Sega Genesis. To, we have a funny story about that, but I'll tell you when you get to the Battle of the Systems. So uh, that is our episode later on this month on the 30th. I always have to double check myself, make sure it's not February because I've made that mistake before and everyone let me have it. <laughs> uh, on the 30th, we will be uh, releasing episode 123. And on that, I'm going to talk about um, yet another Atari recharged game, Gravatar Recharged. Um, we're going to, of course, catch up as we do with, uh, Eric and Cody and Tim. Uh, we usually have a game show, so I'm excited to see what that's all about. Um, and we've got a, 
Six Good Games segment, which is one we've had on the list for a while, but we've never been brave enough to try it. But it's Six Good Bomberman Clones. <laughs> it's going to be the Brent's favorite segment. There you go. This one goes out to ARG Presents in particular. So <laughs> I hope we don't prove them right. Like like the segments just of total. I feel like you might be giving, dumpster fire, <laughs> giving something away about your game selections, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's not finalized yet. I'm actually going to waffle on it. Uh, I'm I reserve the right to change mine. Right, I have in the notes. Right. So well, I got mine in. Mine are I think mine are locked. Mine might waffle too. We'll find out. So. All right. Uh, quick questions. Quick questions. Eric, you've got the first one. Yep. I'm going to ask this, and then uh, we'll decide which ones we're going to ask here in the future. But this one's going to kind of coincide with another one Pajaco6502 asked online, but I did put mine in, my no- in the notes first. So here it goes. This is to you, Cody. Last year, I beat a few retro classics I missed as a younger man. Um, i.e. Mega Man 2. Yeah, I'm proud of you. Yoshi's Island. Yeah. Uh, and so I, well, I and Mario, a couple that I really Super wanted. Mario 3. That might have been the year before, but that That's was the right. first no, one where like, wait, Eric A beat a game and it was a, a Nintendo classic that I've been wanting him to play. Exactly. So that's why I'm going back to you on this one. I'm now placing my future in your hands, Cody. Mm-hmm. What am mm-hmm. I attempting to beat first this year? And I, and I threw some ideas out of things I've been going in my head was Super Metroid, uh, maybe another Mega Man, and you can give me the number of which one, or maybe it's a Mega Man on Super Nintendo or even higher. Anything. What should be the next game? And make it make it where I can beat it. And I'm going to throw this back to you too, because Pajaco asks, and so I'm going to combine this. Okay, okay. What game, new or old, for Retro System are you definitely going to complete this year? Um, and that'll go to both of us. But I'm going to answer it because I'm going to beat the one you tell me right now, Cody. Well, I, okay. So there's one I've been mentioning for years and years. Okay. Eric. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you some runners up, but this, is, if you're going to let me choose, this is the one that I've been trying to make you play forever. And you keep saying, eh, maybe I will. Maybe I'm in it. Okay. And, it, and it's, you know, it's borderline retro, depending on your definition of retro. Okay. Okay. Resident Evil 4, Eric. You need to play that game. Resident Evil so 4. Now. Good. So good. Now, does. Let me ask you this, and I'll do it no matter what, but let me ask you this. Does that one have tank controls? No, it does not. No. It doesn't? No, no. I, I feel like we keep having this conversation. I'm trying to break yeah, through yeah, that, yeah. that hard uh, outer shell that you've built around <laughs> Resident Evil 4. I, okay, I, okay. I have gone back since you told me about Resident Evil 1, and I've tried to play Resident Evil 1, and I see what you're talking about, and no, I could not play Resident Evil 1, the original. The remake right. fixes a lot of that to a point. Okay. Resident okay. Evil 4 is very much, uh, I mean, you've been playing Far Cry and stuff with me. It's not fast like that, but it's, it's, a, it's a, well, just play it. You're, you're going to love it. It is atmospheric. It is cool. And, and it I, is interesting. It is fun. And I know this is a stupid question. What system should I play that on? So I, I played it on PlayStation 2. PS2. Okay, okay. That might but be I've fun. But I've heard the best version of it, which I'm thinking about going back to play it. First okay. of all, they just remastered it and re- released it for more monies. So you can play it on anything right now, remastered. But I've heard really good things about the Wii version, actually, because it has the motion controls and somehow that works really well. Or no, it was the GameCube. GameCube version. I'm sorry. Oh. It was the GameCube ver- I don't know. I don't care what okay. you play it on, Eric. It might dovetail quite nicely into a project okay. for GameCube, which we'll talk about next episode. Okay. Um, 
there's a new product coming out, not to give away too much. We'll talk about it next next month. So you don't have a problem with me playing a remastered version either? No, you just need to play the game. It's a really good game. Okay, it's well, a really good I'm gonna game. Look, I'm gonna do my due diligence, my homework, and I'll figure out a good, comfortable system for me to play it on, and then I'm gonna play it. That's it. I'm locking That's it. it. Lock it. Lock it in. And I looked it up in case you're worried about it because I knew the tank control thing. So don't worry about that. You're gonna love the okay, controls. Okay. They're they're over. It's over the shoulder, but it's good. And um, it's got enough ammo that it's not super survival, but it's got a small enough amount of ammo that you conserve it, and it makes it really tense and fun. Um, Perfect. Okay. Now, now, if you were going to call me out on the retro thing, I, I do think Super Metroid should be next on your list. But well, uh, there'll, there'll be there's going to be room enough for yeah. two this year, so maybe I'll put that as number two for the year. That, that I might be able to do that by summertime or so. So I also looked cool. it up for you. Uh, average run through about 16 hours of re4 re4 okay okay so again you and i don't enjoy our games over like 20 30 hours depending on the no, game so 16 no. is comfortable super metroid's about eight i looked that up ahead of time for this question sweet all right well i got i, I, I want to know which one you want me to beat now that that's my question the problem is you like well, the commodore 64 games which are like almost unbeatable yeah, there's one, and now now you don't have an excuse. You can do this one. Oh, okay. Sam's Journey. Yes. All right, done. And, uh, and, done. And I haven't beaten it either, but I've gotten really far, and I've enjoyed it. And I, I just for lack of time, I, I don't go, I haven't gone back to it. So that might be one for me this year as well. We should do so, it together, Eric. We should, we should do it yeah, together. Parallel in play. In a few months, maybe, maybe we should do that. Because I can play RE4 and Sam's Journey at the same time. They, they scratch a different itch, you know? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's another one. Our, man, we are. And that, we're, we're, and that answers my quick question for Pajaco there with the, which one are you definitely going to complete this year? Because so I was thinking about yeah. Sam's Journey. I talk about Sam's Journey every year, but I've actually played it now. I actually built a controller device for it. Yeah. So I can play it uh, better. And... Uh, and now I'm actually going to complete it. I'm glad you threw that out there because I was struggling with Pajaco's question. I can't think of another one that I was like, nope, I absolutely have to complete this. Like, I'm, I'm sure they're out there, but nothing just popping into my mind. For me, the only one which I've gotten probably halfway through and never beat it, and I do really enjoy it, and now I think I'm getting the chops to do it, is uh, Symphony of the Night, Castlevania. Ooh, good Symphony choice. Yeah. Um, there's no reason I can't, I think, I mean, I've, I've never beaten any Castlevania game. So that's another one I, I'm going to put on my long list for 2024. Well, yeah, a lot of Castlevania games for are you know, NES hard, but, um, mm-hmm. that one's, you know, kind of built to uh, almost like an RPG. So it's built to be, to be completed over time. Yeah. Good call. Uh, know what well, another good call is Eric? What's that? Heading on down to our show sponsor, RetroRewind.ca. Have yes, you heard indeed. of RetroRewind.ca? I have heard of them. I'm glad yes, you have, have, because we've been talking about them for a number of years at this point. But uh, yep. if you need anything for your Commodore computers, be it a Commodore 64, an Amiga, or anything else that says Commodore on it for the most part, you want to head on down to RetroRewind.ca. Or... If you've got a Tandy Color computer, be it the, the Coco, the Coco 1, Coco 2, or Coco 3, that's right, all three, 
Uh, same thing. Head on down to RetroRewind.ca, a great show sponsor of ours. Uh, everything you need from uh, SD cart solutions to put all your software on your systems to c- capacitor rebuild kits to very cool things like uh, Wi-Fi modems, diagnostic harnesses, all kinds of really cool stuff. But they added a few things that I wanted to talk about today because yep. they're new uh, to, to RetroRewind.ca. Um, they're little things, but they're important things, Eric. So if you're thinking about, hey, I'm, I might get myself a Kung Fu flash cart for my, my Commodore 64. Uh, first of all, know that, uh, that the, the best-looking one on the market is the one you can get from RetroRewind.ca. It's a great-looking cartridge. It's really well done. It's got one of the best prices out there, especially if you use our special code, which we'll tell you about in just a second. But while you're in there, there's a few things you can get as well from RetroRewind.ca. Throw it in your order. Uh, a bunch of really cool little plastic parts that are now available. You have uh, C64 case saver plungers. You, they just come in a five-pack. Uh, the Commodore 64 holds a special place in the hearts of many enthusiasts. However, I'm reading this right off the website, so bear with me. Uh, given that most Commodore 64 units are nearly 40 years old, the plastic used in their cases tends to become brittle over time. Issues such as cracking screw posts, snapping case clips, splitting mother- motherboard standoffs, and broken keyboard plungers have become common. So these are replacement keyboard plungers for your Commodore 64 computer. They also have the Mitsumi plungers, which uh, is for a, a different variation of the Commodore 64. If you're yep. lucky enough to be like Eric and have an SX64, there's uh, keyboard clips that are now available on there. And yeah. if you're even those, even those luckier, yeah, do they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you're even more lucky, yeah, and you have an Amiga 4000, they've got CPU standoffs available and all kinds of other cool parts like that. So, man, where were they? I remember getting. I bought five Commodore 64s on Shop Goodwill for I think 50 bucks trying to piece together a good one (laughs) this was way back in the day and the only they all worked the only thing that was wrong with them they had busted keyboards and back then it wasn't easy to replace those parts you just you you, you just bought five right so (laughs) so you just bought five exactly and that's what i did but now you can go on retro rewind and grab uh keyboard plungers that's that's pretty crazy i think that's awesome and Eric, can you tell the people how they can save some money during their checkout? Yes, that's a two-step process. So the first step, set up an account and log in. So it's kind of three two-step <laughs> process. <laughs> uh, so you, you set up an account, log in, then you put in the code PG10 to save 10%. 10% off of which item, Eric? All items. All the items? All items. 10% off all items. It's crazy, Eric's! Commodore Emporium. Head on down <laughs> to RetroRewind.ca. Tell them Eric and Cody and Tim sent you and type in PG10 at checkout to save 10%. Thank you to our show sponsor. That was Excellent. kind of aggressive at the end there. <laughs> Do it! The next two-step process, Eric, is going to be open the beer and pour into mouth. I'm not going to wait This is my longer. favorite part of the show, frankly. <laughs> See, what yeah, frankly. See what you did there? See what you did there? See that? See that little pun? <laughs> So, Eric, the beer I have today, and Eric, Eric and I ran out of beers that we agreed on together and bought each other, and so we have, I'm sure, completely different beers unless we get crazy lucky again. That happened once. We do, but I'm still adding them to the spreadsheet. Good. Are you adding mine, too? Because I don't feel like doing that. 
No, I'm doing it for everybody. So okay, even awesome. Tim, if he if he uh, joins us for the the rare morning beer, although it's happened. I mean, it's, you can just add a line on the spreadsheet for the games we played and everything, Eric. Just go whole hog. Let's just do everything for us. Uh, okay. Well, I'll, yeah, maybe <laughs> that's not a bad New Year's resolution is to become. It's hard to go back and do that because you got to listen to the whole show. Yeah, but yeah. now maybe we should do that. I'm going to think about that. I'm or build up the spreadsheet. Yeah, or utilize our show notes to an extent, but uh, we talk about a lot of stuff, so it's not all in there. Uh, yep. I decided to grab one from one of my favorite breweries, Fall River cool. Brewing Company, yeah. which has uh, Num Num Juice and Num and Nummer, and uh, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones I really like there, but great beer. And this is probably one of my favorite cans I've ever held in my hand, Eric. Yeah. Tell me uh, what it are is. You, are you a man who likes to fish from time to time? I, I went fishing a lot with my dad. A lot of swear words were spoken because I was a little kid and my dad was impatient. But I did go fishing with my dad a lot when I was a kid. Do you see, can you see the can in my hand here? Yeah, it looks like uh, kind of fish scales. Yeah, it, well, not scale. Yeah, if, if you've, I mean, not in scales. California, it's not mostly scales. trout fishing if you're not, you know, in the muddy, warm water getting bass. But so That's it's right. got... The salmon-colored pink belly goes to white, and then the top is green with black specks. The whole can all yep. the way around looks like that, and I just instantly think trout. And, yeah. Um, it's called a hex hex right on the front here, and I think the idea is that uh, you're, you know you go fly fishing for trout in your hex because you can't catch anything, but that's what I'm having. <laughs> a hex India. What brewery is that? Pale Ale, Fall River Brewing Company. Fall. I've heard of them. Yeah, they 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 have some. They have a lot of stuff I really like. And that is a, an IPA. IPA. Okay. Ah, what about you, my friend? So I'm, this one's got a really cool can, too, and I think this is pretty awesome. And it's become one of my favorite breweries, uh, King Kong Brewery here in, Sacramento, in yeah. North Sacramento. They came out with this new beer, and I think it's really neat, and it, it, it warms my heart. There's a, there's a woman that works the front desk and she's always in there or not front desk, the tap room. And she'll, she pours your beer and she gets your order ready and stuff. And her name's Kayla. And they made a beer called Kayla's mixtape. Okay. And they put, she's and right they on put the can. picture on there, which I think is really cool. So the beer is called Kayla's mixtape. It's by King Kong brewing company where Kong starts with a C. Um, this is a Hellas lager. So it is 4.8. Um, percent alcohol by volume. Um, there's a cool thing. It says it's part of the Master Brewer series. It says it says on here, one of the original members of the King Kong crew, Kayla, has been here from the beginning. Not only an amazing tap tender, Kayla practically runs the entire brew pub while managing a full-time school schedule, all with a brilliant sense of humor and brazen personality. So I think that's pretty neat that they that's made really one cool. after. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Interesting. It's, beer, a, so. it's a Hellas, which is um, so. When we went to Germany, like that was everywhere. Every, everything was a Hellas. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I do like Hellas beers, and I, I've had them quite a bit. Um, I'm going to be a weirdo and drink it out of a coffee mug, though, because wow. we're doing some work in the kitchen, and all my beer mugs are uh, excommunicado right oh, now. Oh, interesting. Well, I'm going to be a psychopath and drink straight from the can, like I do. Excellent, uh, Eric. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. First beer of 2024. Mm-hmm. Fall River does not disappoint. That is a good beer. That is a good beer. Mm-hmm. This one um, is good. It is very good. I wouldn't say it's my favorite Hellas lager I've had. Um, 
it has a bit of that flowery. There's some hops out there that's like in Fat Tire and a couple other beers like the, that has a flowery, like a floral, floral taste. Yeah. And it has that. Not a lot. Not nearly as much as like Fat Tire, which I do not like. Um, but just a hint of it, which is enough to to throw it off from being perfect. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Um, Yogurt. <laughs> that's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Um <laughs> So yeah, but how about yours? What what are the what are the flavors in there? I don't know. This one's pretty straightforward. It's a it's an IPA. It is not a hazy, but it's thick. It tastes thick uh, and okay. full. Uh, whereas typically, I find IPAs to be kind of lopsided, like a top heavy, if that makes sense. Yes, and, yeah, uh, no, and definitely kind of aggressively hoppy. It's definitely hoppy. It's got that pine hop thing going yes yes indeed that's one one uh the flavors i tend to kind of like and i mean again i'm not a fan of ipas in general but sometimes when they have that pine kind of flavor to them it it adds something interesting to it yeah i'd say it's not super complex it's kind of um thick and piney that's kind of what thick i'm gonna go piney. with and uh it's not as good as the hazies i like from them the the num num juice and uh and some of the other ones but um it's solid. It's a solid beer. I like it. So let's let's rate this because it's our first show of 2024. 2024. I have 2024 years, or should we say 2025 years? Uh, I'll just stop. I'm trying to I'm trying to get that <laughs> zero in there. The Christ was born at zero, so you know he'd be 225. 2025 if he was still alive. Um, I'm gonna give this a solid sixteen fifty-eight. Sixteen fifty-eight. I'm putting that down. Ooh, you're even putting the so ratings my, down. I like it. So the spreadsheet I wrote will like give us percentages no matter what our crazy oh, man, you did scale some, is. You did some uh some yeah. nerd math on there. I like I it. I did. You're right. That's I was you, like an accountant. When you said you were doing math, and I'm like, no, you're just writing down the names of beers. Nope. Now I know no, what you're I've, talking about. Okay. It's it's going to calculate it all out real time. <laughs> Algorithmic. Real time statistics. And I and while I was writing that spreadsheet, I pushed my glasses up like this. Yes. At yes. least three times. Yeah. And at then, least three times. And then pushed on the tape and then. Yep. I'm going to give this beer a, man, it's right about where yours is, to be honest. I'm going to give it just a, but I'm going to round it. I'm going to say 1600. All right. All right. To 1600 so you're afraid of not rounding your numbers you need to see that zero at the end eric i know you <laughs> i do like the zero <laughs> all right let's move along to a couple more of the quick questions we've got six in total so let's get to another one and a half the second part of bajaco's question was what okay. system or game are you determined to get a hold of in 2024 yeah this one was a harder question for me i'll let you go first on this one so, I, yeah, I, for me, it was hard, too. And I've said, you know, the Sega CD uh, for a long time. But I'm kind of getting over that because I just the prices are getting stupid on those things. Yeah. Um, and, and, and don't you and have I was the... struggling to buy one at $150, I'm not looking to buy one now at $300. Yeah. Um, and you have a cart that supports that. You Can can you load up Sega CD with that cart, or is that No, I actually, I actually don't have a way to play them on original hard- hardware right now. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I do not. Um, yeah, no, mine was the PC Engine. I've got the, the PC Engine CD add-on. Um, 
But then I was thinking about it, and so what I'm going to go with, there's two that I'm going to go with. They're not retro, but he didn't ask for retro. He said, what system or game? So I am more and more and more and more interested in getting a Mr. Yes. And I am more and more and more and more interested in getting a Steam Deck. Oh yeah, God! So these if are both, I had to choose, these are both very expensive items. They're not. Yeah, they're not for the faint of wallet. <sighs> That's like Sophie's choice. Man, I don't know because if I had to pick just one, I don't know which one I'd pick. Because man, I have been playing the Steam Deck so much, so much. Yeah, and my big thing for the Mister is there's a bunch of systems I can't and still can't play all the games they want on definitely not easily but yeah. now that we got the um the back bit yes i've got about 11 more systems that i didn't have every game access to and now i do and now you do so i'm like oh that makes the mister even kind of push it back a little further than it was originally yeah but the mister is so flexible i know i, mean, I know so handy oh, man. My, the, that would be a rough choice honestly if if there was a and i think there are some but if there was a website that just said here's one part number here's the price you enter it you order it it ships to your house and it's ready to go with everything well, I would well do it. it will never have the games on it so well i'll have to put roms on yeah it. i'm not worried um, about, i'm not worried about the roms i'm just saying all the other stuff because you can, I, from my understanding, is you can buy all the pieces and assemble it and wait for things or whatever and hope to get it, and it's like four hundred bucks. Or if you want to yep. pay like six hundred bucks, you can buy it pre-built, yeah. shipped to your door. I'm like, well, I don't want to spend six hundred bucks. <laughs> so yeah, if you go to, I mean, I've seen this. I, I didn't get mine. I I built mine, but if you don't want to do that, MrAddons.com. Yeah. Boom. He has full kits, ready That's to go. Lot. You just have to set up your SD card, and you're good to go. All right. What about you? Which what I can, you? I can clone somebody. One of your friends can clone their SD card for you. Hmm. Hmm. For a small fee. <laughs> <laughs> so while I browse Mr. Add-ons, what's your console of choice this year? <laughs> what system or game are you trying to get a hold of? Man, I've talked about this last year that, I, and I'm going to use your term, blessed. I feel blessed that yes. I have almost every system i really desire um i have been trying to think of what i i I've, i have this constant thing for an astrocade yeah have you seen those? yeah no yeah i, I think you I have talked con- about that you want the astrocade i want the egret but same kind of thing. Yes, candy yes. candy cab um yeah i mean that that it's that oh one thing i think would that would be great is to get uh a pinball, a mini pinball machine. I might do that this year. Okay. Um, like the one you have, the a video pinball machine, not yeah, yeah. not a real pinball machine. Um, I think I can make room in this room to put one of those in here, and I would love to have that. Um, <laughs> it would have to go in there. So He's looking it. around the room right now, trying to figure it out, and and yep. his face is realizing that uh, it's not going to work. <laughs> exactly. Um, but in, in regards to games, um, there's a couple that I'm really looking forward to. There's a guy named Roz Boz that's on Twitter and there's a game coming out called, um, something SX Grand Prix or can't remember the name. I think we were just talking about that last episode. Yeah. It looks very polygonal and very nineties racing style game. Virtual Um, racing enhanced kind of a thing. Like an enhanced virtual racing, and that that looks really good. So I'm hoping that comes out um, this year. Um, 
that man, I am just drawing a blank. I, I there's definitely not any hardware. I'm like super. I've I've, I've always been on the lookout for an Amiga, like a big box Amiga, like computer that can sit on my desk. Yeah. Um, but I'm starting to get further and further away from really wanting one of those because I don't have the room, and and my 1200 is perfect. And 1200 can perfectly. do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, God. Yeah. So I. I, I uh, that's, that's your answer. I that's your this. answer. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I think that's it. So that's my answer. You kind of answered this one too, because Ant Stiller asked, "What is your most hoped for retro-rated release for 2024?" And you mentioned yeah. that that game. Um, yes, I, I have one other answer that I'm going to buy probably real soon, and maybe you can um, help me out here. I would love to buy one of those new Ataris coming out. Interesting. So okay. Th- there's either the Atari 2600 oh, the, Plus. Yeah. That. Yes. Okay. That's the one I'd which be looks in. like. Looks like a real Atari and plays real cartridges, and that's all it does. That's Inclu- what it does. Including 7,800 cartridges. Correct. Then there is the Game Station, which is in some circles gets panned, but in others, it's an emulation beast. Like you can play a bunch of different things, which we have thousands of things that can do that. But they're coming out with a lot of cool controllers for it, which we'll get in, in next episode for the news, like a new okay. game pad that has a a paddle on it. There's a thing coming out that has a trackball on it. Yeah, um, okay. And they're gonna they're gonna that that is getting more and more interesting. And you can add ROMs to that one where it was at the 2600 plus. You got to have the cartridge. And I heard the Harmony cartridge. The rumor was it did not work on that because it's not. It just it dumps the ROM or whatever cartridge you put in there. The Harmony cartridge does, but the back bit probably works. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm, the back bit probably mm-hmm. works. And I don't the know about you, but I already bit. have that one. The back bit the probably back works. Bit. <laughs> well, we're going to have to see. We're going to have to test it out. But I did read online that there is a mode, a developer mode, you can put the Harmony in and it will work. Okay, there you go. It basically will flash it with one cart where it auto starts with that one cartridge. Oh, okay. And you can do that. It's a little more involved. So... I don't know. I want it. Yep. So yeah. I, so which one would you get right now if you had a choice? I, I don't know much about that. I'm going to call it the more consumer grade one. I mean, the one I almost pulled the trigger on was the 2600 plus. Yes. But when it really comes down to it, it's just a small Atari, and it doesn't it do. I mean, it really doesn't do anything that I don't already have. It's just me giving money it to doesn't. Atari and having something else to look at on my shelf. That's right. So I ultimately decided not to. I mean, ultimately, I hope it's successful and people enjoy it and it creates a market. Um, If it drops in price and goes on sale for like half off, I'll buy it. Yeah. But at full price, I think I'm in the no camp right now just because I already have multiple Atari. Atari. Yeah. So I don't have an answer for this one. Um, If it's, you know, what's your most hoped for retro related? I guess that means hope that you can pick it up in 2024. Or is it talking about like, I was hoping the question would be like, is it your most, like a game that you hoped would exist in 2024 that nobody knows about now? And all of a sudden they're like, guess what? We just came out with Donkey Kong Country 4. <laughs> right, Something right, like right. that, you know? Um, but yeah, w- w- I can't think of one. I can't think of one at the moment. I'm a the bad host. I didn't so do my homework. Re- yeah, retro related. I'm going to say retro inspired. I'm going to throw that in there and and tweak the question a little bit. There's a game called Streets of Rogue that I played and 
I had an intense couple of weeks with that game, and then I had to move on. But Streets of Rogue 2 is supposed to come out. That's very pixelated, very little tiny characters on the screen. And um, I, I'm, I am looking forward to that. And it is retro-related because it's retro-inspired. But as in regards to games themselves, though, I don't have anything. Or, or I think we might have to try to come back to this one when Tim yeah. joins because I want to think about this. I want to give you a real an- answer, Ant. Um, yep. So yeah, I agree with that. Uh, we we didn't have a lot of time because he actually posted that today, and I threw it in the notes today. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. let's let this one simmer. I'll pretend we'll that's ha- the reason have I haven't answer. thought about it. <laughs> yeah. Let's. We're gonna let this one simmer, and we'll simmer we'll down till next episode. Perfect. And that means we're gonna go ahead and uh, hop into some show information, followed directly by Eric's take and tea time with Tim. Hey there, it's Tim. And I've got all the information you need about the Pixel Guiden podcast. If you didn't know already, you can find the show Podbean site by visiting pixelguiden.com from your browser of choice. And while you're on your browser, why not check out our podcast feed on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network? You can find it at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. Have you got any questions? Has something we've said driven you crazy enough to want to call us out? Or you just want to say hi? We love getting your feedback. So here are the ways you can contact us. You can reach us on the show Twitter account, which is at pixel underscore guide N. You can email us and our address is podcast at pixelguiden.com. And if you want to reach us directly, that's Cody, Eric or Tim. The best way to get us is through our Discord channel on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network. You can get there by becoming a patron of our show at $3 or more, and we will get you a link to join the fun. If you want to reach Cody, Eric or Tim directly, you can get us on the following platforms. You can reach Cody on Twitter or X and that's at oddball49. That's oddba one one four nine. Eric is also on Twitter and on Mastodon and you can get Eric on Twitter at the project. That's D-U-H-P-R-O-J-E-C-T and at Mastodon is at the project at oldbytes.space. And Tim is on Mastodon at Sanxion, that's at S-A-N-X-I-O-N, at oldbytes.space. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you'd give us a review, and also for any of the other podcast catchers that you may use. Here on Pixel Guide N, we like to announce every patron subscriber that subscribes at a $3 or more level by using our random adjective generator and a little bit of song. And on this episode of Pixel Gaiden, we're going country and western. You know we've been doing this show for a long time. Pixel Gaiden and all the people who support us. We got the Resolute, Josh Malone, the Mini Daniel James, the Tyrene Tanma, Menio, Eric. And the aggressive parent joy Desirable Mitsuyama And the nautical David Vincent Pixel, Pixel Guiding Our Patreons keep us playing They're the ones that we can fight in So we're gonna sing out their name and stiller 
unsalvageable Steve Rasmussen Jason Holland is quite dim And the unauthorized Mr. Toast Sedate Paul Jacobson And the typical Brian Arsenault Immodest Ramble K. Ramble K. David Cavallari's uncouth And Adam from Commodore Chronicles Is nostalgic, how about you? Mark Richardson, he's hypnotic Richard Gamer Nation is his yin Pixel, pixel guiding Our Patreons keep us playing They're the ones that we confide in So we're gonna sing out their names Like the Bumpy David Modelac The KG Scott Partolo is back Evocative Henrik Lovell Inspiring Matthew Ackerman Phonetic John Boat of car shawlers Bringing up the end Pixel, pixel guiding Our Patreons keep us playing And to the ones who are here listening We hope you've enjoyed your names You know it's Pixel, pixel guiding our Patreons keep us playing And to the ones who we confide in We're gonna sing out your name take for January 2024. I hope everyone had a good holiday break and now it's time for me to get back to podcasting. I, I've had this topic rolling around in my brain for some time now and I figure now is a good time to try and get it recorded. And it's going to cover the topic of the state of gaming right now in uh, 2024, up till now, I should say. I have a lot of thoughts on this. None of it is based on research at all. Uh, this is going to be just an off-the-cuff uh, podcast. I don't have a list in front of me or an outline or anything. I'm just going to do kind of a stream of consciousness kind of episode where I talk about... Um, the state of not only retro gaming, but modern gaming, and maybe give some memories that support uh, what I'm about to say about it, and also cite some um, 
things that I've observed around town and and things that people have said to me online and in real life. So anyway, let's let's start for a second um, with some observations that I've made. I've gone into uh, GameStop a bit. Let me back up. I I, I um, have a lot of time to kill sometimes when, like, before I pick up my daughter from school, uh, while I drop her off at volleyball practice. Sometimes I'll run errands and I I have some time to kill. And I will go into a GameStop, which is about the only gaming store left, uh, modern gaming store. Um, and there just seems to be a lot of video game ephemera there like you know like the little pops the little vinyl figures t-shirts um just stuff like that but i've noticed that the game sections are getting smaller and smaller and i have no doubt that this is due to digital downloads and i'm going to cover that in a minute because i'm not an opponent of digital downloads at all and i'll cover that in a minute as well but I have no doubt that this is what is killing the modern gaming store. So growing up, there were a lot of computer stores and a lot of little stores that sold video games. I remember Electronics Boutique. There was there was GameStop even back then. Um, and there were a couple of other ones. And I know that in different countries, there are video game shops, too. And and I listen, I would love to hear from you guys out there from wherever you live if if the scene is thriving or not. But here the the shelves are getting smaller and smaller, the shelf space for video games. Um and there's just not as many people in these stores. Now, when I go to some place like Target, um which is another place that sells video games around here in the US, it's horrible it is the worst i've ever seen the video game aisles they're basically it really the shelves are still there and they're all empty there is there are no video games there except for kind of ones that are just released and then they'll be there for a few weeks and then they're just gone and never replaced um and maybe that's just my local targets but but i mean there's five or six around here and that i'll stop off at and it's the same everywhere I go not to mention, isn't it weird that you still it's, it's, it's easier now to get a PS five or an Xbox series machine, but it's not like you can just walk into a store and get one. I, they still don't have them around here. I mean, I'll see them every once in a while on the shelf or behind the little glass cabinet, but, and I, and I get, I get all the shortages and all of that stuff, but, and maybe that's another contributor to why the state of gaming uh, modern gaming is so bad, but I, I don't know. Let me tell you, I mean, let me tell you some stories about when I was a kid. Um, I mean, we would ride our bike to Toys R Us and there would be just aisles and aisles of video games for all the different console systems and computers. So Commodore 64, Atari microcomputers, um, TI-99-4A, all, all the systems, they basically... It was just a big giant um, display of games. And at Toys R Us, you would pull the tag, you would walk up to the count cashier, you would buy it, and then you would take that tag with the receipt stable to it over to the cage, which was in front at Toys R Us, and 
you would hand that to them and they would hand you your game and you'd go and you go home and play it. Um, <clears throat> even at flea markets around here, you could go and they would have just tons of computer games, cartridges, everything. I mean, you, you couldn't turn around and, and, and not see that there. I mean, there, it was, it was, it seemed like there were four or five different stands at the flea market that would have games. And I guess, and maybe I'm just getting old here, but now it just seems like I, I can't imagine in five years that there's still going to be modern video game stores anymore, um, like GameStop, which GameStop happens to be the only one around here. I go in them all the time for some reason, and I still don't know why I go in there. It's the same every time. They just don't have anything they they of any interest to me, at least. And I, I guess there's a part of me that's really sad about that. Now, I am lucky enough to be in an area where there's maybe three or four different retro games, gaming stores, <laughs> um, a couple of really good ones, uh, some not so good. Uh, one of them just ridiculously expensive on things, but they do exist. And it's nice to have a place to go in. Although I've even noticed with those stores now that their inventory doesn't seem to be changing as much as it used to. And that could be uh, because people are holding on to their stuff because the value is getting higher or that they have a hard time buying the items to resell because the prices are high and they don't, they can't make a decent margin on them. I don't really know, but I do frequent the retro gaming stores around here and I've noticed that they just aren't as vibrant as they used to be. And so I guess what I'm seeing, and maybe I'm just jabbering on, maybe I'm not making any sense, but there's like this sadness now when I'm driving around there are no more stores anymore, even the ones like GameStop and Target and Walmart and and uh, places like that. They they seem to be dying off and that maybe that's a normal thing. And now and, and let me get back to digital downloads. So I think a big contributor to that is digital downloads, whether I like it or not. Now, I in the past, I have um, I'm a kind of always on the fence. I like collecting physical games of games that I really like. Uh, and I have a ton of them, but I'm not that guy you see on YouTube videos with like shelves behind them of like complete Nintendo collections or huge PlayStation or GameCube collections. I don't have that. I maybe have maybe 10 to 30 games for each system, if that. And they're not even on display. They're in boxes. Um, sometimes I go and I grab those games. Uh, those physical games like that Tim gets me of like Rogue games, like the Rogue 64 or games like that, I I do present because I think they're really cool, especially that you can get a game in a box, uh, you know, for a Commodore 64 in this day and age. I think it's a novelty, but I'm not the big collector. I do use Ever drives. I do use um, downloads for certain machines. I, I'll download ROMs for them or whatever. And I, I do that. Um, but with modern games, so let's talk about the Switch. Like I, that was like, that was machine I got right before my Steam Deck and right before um, 
uh, I got like, you know, my gaming PC set up. So the Switch I was collecting physical games for, and I think I have maybe 20 of those. And then there was the shift in stores to only offer them in digital downloads. And and I was, I guess, okay with that for a while. I kind of dabbled on that. And then I started hearing on other podcasts and news outlets about how some stores were closing, you know, it was like the Wii store and then the DS store. Um, and then basically, and, and then I th- what was it? I think it was the Xbox 360 like store. There were a lot of games that were stranded on those. Like if you had them downloaded, great. But if you wanted to get those games, once the stores closed, you just couldn't get the game anymore. And I'm wondering what that means for preservation, uh, that you can't get those games anymore unless there's a way to hack those machines where the, where the games are still on there and you could rip them off there, which, of course, is piracy or, or whatever, however you want to classify that. But I don't want these games to just, you know, go silently into the night and be forgotten. But the days like like one thing I framed this to my wife, which, by the way, she's all for digital downloads because she says, oh, I don't want I don't like the clutter in my house of all these games around. And I, I get her point. But what happens 10 years from now or 15 years from now when, you know, my son or daughter is out there are there just aren't going to be gaming stores. Right. I mean, and there's not going to be any real sections of department stores like like a Target or a Walmart that don't sell anything but the consoles themselves. And then even now, when you look at the state of consoles, I mean, now there's like an Xbox that supports physical games and one that only supports digital games. And the same thing with the PS5, I've noticed. So next year, if there are consoles, I don't even know if there are going to be, is going to be a next generation of consoles um, I know that the Switch, they're talking about the Switch 2 coming out. Um, I haven't read if that's still going to support physical media or not. Uh, but for Xbox and PS and, and PlayStation, I, I doubt it, right? I mean, it's gonna, it's just looking like it's going to be all digital. And if that's the case, what does that mean? I mean, do special editions go away? You know, the tin box you know, games where they have maybe a booklet inside or a comic book or something. And then the game, I mean, that's what's going around now. Like you see like the, the, these ultra editions or whatever they are. Um, and, and what's going to happen when machines don't support that anymore. I mean, other than PC, but when's the last time you saw a PC that had a DVD player in it? I mean, the games might come on USB stick or something, but seems awful silly to get a boxed PC game that just has a USB stick in it. I mean, these are all going to be digital downloads. So I'm just wondering what it's going to be like. Like I said, when my son or daughter like go in 10 years, are they going to be able to go into a gaming store? And I, I don't think so. I think they're going away. And there's a part of me that is kind of sad, maybe just because I'm a nostalgic kind of guy. Maybe I'm just kind of down that that is going away and I'm seeing it die right before my eyes. Um, there are some good things, of course, about digital download is the, the day the, the game comes out, you can download it and play it. Of course, the games are only going to get bigger and bigger. And I'm not sure bandwidth is is keeping up with the pace because 
I mean, I've no, even noticed around my neighborhood, it's kind of stalled out. Like, it's been the same for the last five years. You can get the pretty much same speeds, and it's not getting any better. So is that going to come – is that going to be a problem too? Like, the amount of bandwidth for downloading these games? Are there going to be fewer games? Because games seem to be taking a lot longer to make. Um, and and they're getting larger. So maybe there's only going to be three or four st- – games you know that that big triple a titles that come out in a year and and maybe that's gonna have to be okay now i buy way more smaller and indie games like my steam deck and switch are filled with them and for me personally when people ask me oh you you do a retro gaming podcast or you're into retro gaming yes i am and i love it and there are so many great games but if they ask if i'm into modern gaming I'm not really into AAA titles. I, I I mainly am in modern gaming means small indie, uh, maybe one or five person studios making these games. I mean, and they're they they tend to be the most thoughtful and best games out there. And I and I mean that. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a big AAA title and been so disappointed with it. I play it for maybe two or three hours then I'm just disappointed. And now I'm out 60 bucks. And now I heard the price of AAA titles is going to jump up to 70 bucks. Um, I, I just don't see how all this is sustainable. I mean, looking even at the wages of the younger generation and looking at uh, disposable income in gaming, I, I mean, first of all, I think it's all going to go to digital downloads. And then at the same time, it's going to be up to those individual programmers to somehow archive their game for posterity. Because what happens when it's delisted on Steam and you can't buy it anymore or or Steam goes away? I mean, who knows what, what could happen? Are those games just gone or will the is it up to the developer to like host them on their website or something like, hey, here's some games I made. 15 years ago. Um, I just think that the role of game historians is going to become so much harder. And I, I, I don't know. I guess I just miss the days when I used to be able to walk into a store and look at all the cool games and pull the tag and go buy the game. Um, and like I said, in the time between doing things in my life, when I do stop in at stores, man, if there were video game stores like there used to be, I'd spend so much time and money in them, which I don't do now. I can't even tell you the last time I've spent a dime at GameStop because they just don't have anything I want. Um, so I, I know I've thrown a lot of things at you and it was probably not well organized, but I'd really like to hear from you uh, and you can use a podcast at pixelguide.com or jump into our discord. If you're a Patreon subscriber, um, I would really love to hear from you and maybe do a follow up to this or just, uh, you know, do it in our feedback section. Cause I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm totally off base and I'm just old and curmudgeon and, and and I'm just not right on this. I don't know. This is all just feelings. I didn't do any research. I didn't do anything. This is all just my feeling and vibe of the industry in general. And, um, I, you know, 
and again, I'm going off on a tangent here, but I was reading re- reviews recently of Starfield, like that big Bethesda game. And when I keep kept an eye on that game because I loved Skyrim. That was one of my favorite modern games of all time. And I loved it. I, I very nearly beat the game uh, a long time ago on my Xbox 360 and loved it. So I had high hopes for that game. I don't even have anything that'll run it right now, honestly. I don't have anything with the jack to run it. But kept an eye on it because I always want to root for them. And it got bad reviews, like like pretty bad reviews. Now, a lot of people like it, and that's cool. But the bad reviews were even a little disheartening to me. But if it's deserved, I mean, you look at games like Cyberpunk and and uh, Starfield and other games... Man, I can't imagine spending that kind of money and getting kind of a game that's just kind of mediocre. And But to balance that out, you get a game like Baldur's Gate 3, which was a download game on Steam. Um, and now it's starting to come out on other consoles, but I don't know if it's going to be in physical form at all anywhere. And that's a little depressing to me. I mean, Baldur's Gate 3 is a fantastic game. But in 15 years, I know I'm going to be a pretty old man in 15 years, but it would have been cool to look on my shelf and say, Oh, there's Baldur's Gate three. That was one of my favorite games. And it's, that's just not going to happen now. If any of my machines are survive that have that game on there, then, then yeah, maybe I could boot that up and, and take us, take it for a spin. But if not, then it's just going to be my increasingly bad memories that I'm going to have to rely on. And that just kind of brings me down. But anyway, back Please let me know, am I wrong on this or am I right? Give me your feelings on this. Please let me know. Uh, again, podcast at pixelguiden.com or on the Discord or on Twitter or wherever. Just reach out to me and uh, I will try to compile those and maybe do a little follow-up. Thanks for listening to Eric's Take. Sorry this was kind of scattered, but I just wanted to get this all out. Um, thanks a lot and I will see you on next month's episode. check with our friend over the pond. That's right. It's tea time with Tim. Play the games you want, wherever you are, however you like. With the Nintendo Switch system, you can play on your TV or game on the go. It's your call. Now let's have some fun. Nintendo Switch. And if you're dedicated to handheld play, well, so is the sleek, lightweight Nintendo Switch Lite system. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Tea Time with Tim for 2024. Coming up in this episode of Tea Time with Tim, we're going to be discussing if we're going to get a Switch 2 in 2024. What do you think? Yep, I know that Pixel Gaiden is all about retro, but the Switch is entwined in Pixel Gaiden lore. All three of us have one, we use them a lot, 
and, one way or another, this little console has been a big part of the podcast. From Danica talking about her experience with Animal Crossing and Pokemon, Cody playing a ton of Picross games on it, and Eric using it as his portable console of choice until the Steam Deck. And, of course, myself, with me boring you guys with my constant Zelda updates. But, with that being said, let's face it, bless its cotton socks, it's getting on a bit now, and it's time for an update. Yeah, I know what you're thinking, and I agree. It's not retro, but as consoles go, this one has done well in its life cycle. And even now, because of Nintendo and Nintendo-like games that are produced for it, it's still working and selling. So why change your winning formula, right? Now let's back up a bit, and just in case you've been living under a stone for the last few years, the Switch is Nintendo's uh, latest, or should I say, the most recent generation of games console. Launched worldwide on March the 3rd, 2017, so according to Tim Maths, that makes it almost seven years old. At launch, if you were lucky enough to get one, you could get them for the sum of 29,980 yen in Japan, $299 in the US, and £279 in the UK. Even back then, the Switch was not setting itself apart that much in terms of technical prowess from its predecessors, the Wii and the Wii U. In fact, some of the launch and early titles were ports from the Wii U with the usual Nintendo tax on top. To the point that the massive selling and still one of the best games in my humble opinion, The Legend of Zelda The Breath of the Wild, came out on the Switch and the Wii U at the same time and they didn't really look all that different. However, Nintendo's secret source has always been... Uh, it's able to work on iterating the ideas and morphing their latest generation into what its previous generation probably should have been. Let's take this case as an example. The basic idea of the Wii U is much the same as the Switch. comes with a screen and a controller built in. But in the Wii U's case, these were two separate items. So with the march of time and technology, Nintendo refined the design, scaled it down and put it into a more mobile-friendly format with the inclusion of the dock. This meant that you could easily uh, switch it between portable and docked-based gaming and I think there is two distinct camps of gamers with the Switch. You're either mostly portable or mostly docked. I know for a fact that my Switch has spent 90% of its life docked. Even if I have travelled with it, I've taken the dock, PSU and Pro Controller as it's such a portable console. It's not like you can pop your PS4 or Xbox sausage jig and chips in your suitcase with you when you're off on vacation. You can easily do that with the Switch, and that's why it has worked so well, not just for me, but for the millions of other happy customers. So with all those positives, I'm sure that the marketing and design gurus at Nintendo are going to build even more on the USPs of the Switch and refine, iterate and innovate something new around those points in the Switch 2. 
We've mentioned a couple of the good things about the Switch, so now let's address some of the bad stuff. Number one of these things for me to fix with the Switch 2 will be the Joy-Con controllers. Whilst this was a great idea having controllers that you can click on and off the side of the console, the design of these was somewhat flawed and I never really got on with them. This is one of the biggest reasons why I used the console docked. Because one thing that they did right from the get-go was the Pro Controller. Man, that is one of the best controllers I have ever used. And I hope above all hope that they make it better or at least so we can use the existing Pro Controller with the Switch 2. The other issue with the Joy-Cons is the infamous Joy-Con drift. Mine, to be fair, never really suffered with this. Perhaps it's because they've been used so very little. Maybe the occasional time I've used it out and about, and when we've been playing Mario Kart with more than two players. Or using the wheels that you push the Joy-Con into the centre. Secondly, I think something they kind of fixed with the OLED switch was the screen. While it was nice, it was always just a little too small for me to play games for an extended period of time on, especially when playing with the Joy-Cons attached. That physical distance between the controllers I could never get on with, and playing games like Zelda with the small screen was never easy. I understand it's a trade-off between keeping the console thin and small enough to be portable against a bigger screen, less battery life, etc. But I'm hoping the Switch 2 will find a good balance. Another bugbear is game price for the first party games. Now, I don't think this will ever change and quite frankly, I will pay whatever Nintendo wants, within reason, for another Zelda game on the Switch 2. But with that being said, for the market that the console aims for and the fact that many of the first party games are yet another iteration on the same license, we should... Should we really be paying £60 for a first-party title, especially when the physical release, as in the packaging, is just a small plastic box with a printed cover? There are no extras with the base cost of the game. Now, if they included a nice manual with artwork, maybe a poster and some feelies at that price, that would be justifiable. But if you want anything extra, then you have to take up to around about £100 for the limited edition. Now, I do appreciate that these games do take a lot of time and money to create. But I'm still in the school of thought that the game prices should be closer to the £40 region, especially for ports of earlier games. I think it's almost justifiable to place a higher price on games that have taken years in development. So, when in 2024 do we think we're going to hear about the console, or even see the release? Well, there's very little bits of info that have been leaked about the console, but as it's still very much under wraps, some have given optimistic view that we could see it in March, much like the Switch, especially as the release schedule for the Switch is looking a bit thin at the moment. However, I think we will likely see a Nintendo Direct, maybe between May and July time, and then an actual release around October-November time. There are rumours that production is already happening of the Switch 2, and this could be Nintendo's way of stockpiling inventory to stop the price gouging that happened with the PS5. I agree with this approach. If it's happening, make sure there's enough by hanging on for a couple of extra months to, to release the console to get enough units to last, especially when this will most likely be the top-selling gift of the holiday season in 2024. I don't think we're going to be lucky enough 
for the Switch 2 to drop into the same launch price as the original Switch did at 299 Let's face it, a lot has happened in the tech market since then. I think we're likely to see Nintendo follow Sony and Microsoft, um, their lead, and put out a full version in 2024 with all the bells and whistles, and then maybe a light or a digital-only version in 2025. So I'm going to stick my neck out, and we could be looking at maybe $379 thereabouts with perhaps a light version coming in 2025 at around about 299 So that's my take on what might happen this year with the Switch 2. Of course, this is all speculation. It may not even happen this year, but all the signs are pointing to it at the moment and the market is ready for yet another Nintendo console. And I know I'm ready too. And that's it for this month's Tea Time with Tim. Speak to you on the next one. We are back, Eric, and I have to ask you. Yeah. During our break, you were about to tell me something. I said, no, I want to hear it (laughs) along with everybody else in Pixel Guide and Land. You have a a non-game, non-video game related hobby that you just got into. I don't know what it is. I got into a ridiculous one, too, so I'm very curious. Yeah, so let's swap stories here. So so here's mine, (laughs) and it is ridiculous. Um, um, as you know, in my, in my youth, just like you, I was, a, I was a musician, if you want to say that. I played bass and got dabbled into Flap lots of different bass. instruments and stuff. And slowly I've been collecting uh, or getting these things to get back into music. But then I got the fever and I started literally collecting these things. And they're very specific and kind of silly. I am getting into portable battery-powered synths and samplers. Which you already started to a little, but I'm very <laughs> curious how many you're into, how deep you're into this now. Well, I started with the OPZ and Pocket Operator. Remember yep. that? Yep. That was last year. And I've been tinkering with those. And then I built my own, which was the Pico Tracker. And I showed you a little video in our little Yeah, disc. I think it's super cool. So I built this myself, and it's uh, from a kit. Uh, and it, it, it's basically a little tracker, like the old Amiga and Commodore 64 trackers, but it's portable and runs on batteries. And then today, right before the show started, uh-oh, uh-oh. from 1997, oh, I got this straight from yeah. Japan, a Yamaha QY70. I remember those. You remember and see the little keyboard on the bottom? I remember seeing them in the Musician's Friend magazines and stuff, yeah. And it has all MIDI ports, so I can connect. The, all these crazy devices can connect to each other and do and push MIDI and time clock to each other. So I'm going to like start cobbling all these together. But the thing is, I'm not interested in in the the like computer like synthesizers and stuff. I yeah. just want these tiny battery powered portable it. things. I get it. Because they just so, they do what they're supposed to do. There's no yeah plugins and adders and things to go wrong and stuff. It's just you you turn it on, hit the buttons, output music. Cool. Yeah. And they do one thing. I can't go check my Twitter on it. I can't go check this. It, yeah. It does its job. And while I'm sitting there watching my daughter's volleyball practice, I can sit there and write making a drum mad beat. beats. <laughs> Making fat beats, exactly. Right. So here's how we're okay. going to make this video game related, Eric. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to publish you, my friend. <laughs> I need you to make some, like, 5-second, 10-second, 20-second bumps. I think okay, we need okay. to re- redo some of our Pixel Gaiden o- uh, openers. <laughs> okay. It's time for the uh, news. <laughs> 
exactly. Whatever, you know? <laughs> I was thinking about that one you showed me that you made on that little yellow one, which is yeah, funny because yeah, yeah. the, col- the keys are two colors. They're yellow and pea yellow. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, that would be actually really cool for like whatever it was. And Yeah. Putting, no, I'm, I'm, I'll, I will fun. do that because I thought about even making a retro rewind commercial like using some of the beats. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Eric, here's my so what are you? Here's now? my nerdy new hobby. Ready? Yeah. Oh. oh. <laughs> so I'm, and it's funny because I just did a little card trick kind of looking thing. Not magic. I'm not into magic, but just playing cards in general. I got to the point where I realized, you know, I've, I've forever. I'm like, I've, I love board games. I have all these games, but I have no one to play them with me. But guess what? My family will play with me. What's any that? any game that uses a standard deck of cards. Really? You know, whether we just got into cribbage, we've been playing to get golf. Have you ever played golf, the card game golf? I well, haven't. Six card golf, nine card golf. And I'm like, you know what? And rummy, we play rummy. I'm like, they'll play those things. So I'm going to go spend my money on a bunch of just cool, different, nice cards. Yes. Uh, and of course, that gets out of hand quickly, right? You're like, oh, a cheap deck's like three bucks. So a nice deck's like 10 bucks. And next thing I know, I'm looking up rare decks on eBay that are like yeah. $50, $70 for a deck of cards, you know? But anyway, so I've been I've been learning about cards and collecting cards. So there don't you go. Don't rule out don't rule out magic. Don't rule out the card <laughs> tricks because I got into that for a hot minute and I was getting pretty good at the sleight of hand where like I could show you my hands and then pop like I could pop yeah. a card. And I got into that and I loved it. I, I was messing around and trying to I was looking in the mirror to make sure my angles were right and people couldn't see my yeah, hidden yeah. cards and stuff. Don't don't discount that. That's so, a fun so I'm not, little thing. I'm not interested in magic, at least not yet. But what I have been doing, because it is fun yeah. to put... Which card, they call it cardistry. Have you heard of cardistry? I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you can So like, basically, like, it's just cool yeah. flourishes and things you can do. Fun ways to shuffle, or, or yep. even if it doesn't actually shuffle the deck, cool things you can do with cards. Like So while you're playing a game of cards, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, let me shuffle. And you do a couple really cool things. People are like, whoa, and that's it, right? And then you keep playing your game. But, but see, that's just one fun. inch away from being doing the thumbing and the palming <laughs> and stuff where you could like yep, yep. place cards in decks where you want them to be. I mean, I, dude, I've watched hours of YouTube videos on how to do that stuff. And I'm all, I love watching them. And there are so many guys on there and gals that will show you how to do those things. Get into that, man. Yeah. That's, no, I'm having fun. That's, I'm having the cardistry fun. is cool. That's where you're like flipping the cards and you're fanning them out. Yep. And, you, and shuffling, which I suck at shuffling. But when you see someone who can really shuffle cards, it's very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I'm having fun with it. And the problem with it, they're like, yeah, just here's how you do it. Now just practice it and you're going to get, I promise you're going to get it. Just keep doing it. Uh, and you know, once you get like 20 or 30 hours Mm -hmm. under your belt, you'll have it down and like 20 or 30 hours on one trick. Yeah, okay. exactly. That's kind of, you know, and it's funny because you don't feel like you're learning anything. You just keep doing it over and over again. The cards fall everywhere. You try it again. They fall everywhere. You do that for an hour and you're like, Oh my gosh. And then some of them have started clicking. They just, eventually clicked and so i've I've got a couple now so now it's going to be fomo february and next year uh, i mean next next month i'm going to be we're going to get on the show and i'm going to show you hey look at this deck of cards i got cody and and i'm going to be like yeah but check out my sick new beat on my mini sampler (laughs) (laughs) exactly that's one cool thing is we swap we'll we'll swap like like hobbies which i think is really probably good we're not living near each other anymore otherwise it would be a it'd be contagious (laughs) we just have stuff i mean i already do but all right, uh, Eric. Yes. We were uh, supposed to start this seven minutes ago, but it's time for the news. Reporting the news. 
All right, I've got the first item here, and let me go ahead and share my screen so you can follow along with me, good sir. I just unprofessionally like rubbed my hands together on Mike. Yeah, because I was all getting make ready. all kinds of noises. I'm ready. This is the sound of my beard <laughs> on the pop screen. All right. Uh, my first item here, and you got a lot mm-hmm. of items here. Tim put a put a couple on here as well. So yeah. Uh, from timeextension.com, one of my favorite new news sources for this kind of stuff. This is really cool, um, and I think it is going to be a commercial product, but basically there is a kit being sold. I believe it's uh, only in Japan, going to only be in, in Japan this year. Um, and this was actually released in December, so it should be out now. I haven't, I haven't checked. I should have checked okay. before we got on here, but it allows you to take a Famicom, which again is the Japanese... NES console, but basically it takes you a Famicom, and you can basically, if you, you know, Eric, because you had to fix them just like I did, I think, yes. at one point. If you I open did. that thing up, there's basically two motherboards. There's a yep, power unit, are. and then a small, a sm- small motherboard that's actually pretty small when you just look at that. Basically, yep. this allows you to take that motherboard, and it allows you to put it inside this device that has a screen on it and, and buttons, and it turns your nintendo famicom into a handheld device and it plays famicom cartridges so you can see a picture of it here it, yeah it, you he plugged a cartridge in it's not the most um elegant looking solution yeah the funny thing is the unit itself is elegant but then there's this big cartridge sticking out of the sticking back out, and it's still like a top loader like it doesn't slip in behind the screen it's like no, no. if you were to pick up the famicom off the t- desk with two hands the same way the cartridge shoves directly in like that's how it goes yeah, it's just a, a button and screen. So the funny thing is, because I I bought, I mean, I have two Famicoms. One doesn't work, and one does. I'm wondering if the part that doesn't work, typically the power might, unit. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it may I might be able to like if man if I could find something like this, that would be pretty sweet. What's really cool is they're showing a video of him shaking the cartridge and how it's not glitching at all. But the yeah. cartridge, I don't know if you noticed, if that cartridge is that new game that came out, that super manic shmup called Over, yeah. like, was Over JB, Over, Over something? Yeah. Anyways. Uh, over if, OBJ. Over OBJ. Yeah, there you go. Uh, which is, <laughs> I would love to have a cartridge of that. The game looks super cool. Uh, so apparently this only cost uh, 8,500 yen, Eric. So there you go. Um, <laughs> if you don't know what that is, apparently it's roughly $60 or 47 where, pounds. For, for a nice case, screen, buttons, all that stuff, that's not that bad. Yeah, you just supply the guts. Yep. So hmm. kind of fun. Kind of fun. Yeah. I'm excited about this. I haven't clicked on this yet, Eric. I keep <clears throat> wanting to, but I wanted to wait for the show. I put this in here for you, Cody. Thank you. So <laughs> this is a new shooter that looks like Cuphead meets Doom. Cup, Cuphead, one of my favorites, and Doom, of course, everybody's favorite. Yeah, and this is kind of a timely article with the news of like... Uh, Holy smokes, Eric. Yep, the like Steamboat uh, Willie, like the, yeah. the Steamboat Mickey that... Or is that... Is that am I getting that right? Steamboat Willie, I think you're right, yeah. It but just it was- fell out of like copyright so people can start using that. But this fits right into that. Um, so this is a new shooter. It looks like Cuphead, um, but it's a first-person shooter. Um, it is coming out sometime in 20... What is that? What did that say? 2025, I think, or 20... Uh, yeah, yeah, 2025. Sometime in 2025. But they have, like, these these production videos. It just... It looks pretty sweet. It's like... Oh, this particular shot is black and white. Like I said, just like Steamboat Williams, he's... 
like you know early 20s 30s cartoon mice that you're running around with your gun it's like roger rabbit style yeah. um uh, you just have to see it it looks like hand-drawn animation just like cuphead but it's a first person shooter very old school looking especially the the cartoon characters but even the backgrounds if you kind of look look really great i mean oh, yeah. they're very detailed um but even your gun in your hand looks very cartoony but very you know 40s kind of cartoon or whatever 50s no i guess it would be 40s or 30s right i think so yeah apparently um, the game is going to be called mouse so yeah. we haven't mentioned the name of it yet so so I want, anyway, I, I put that one. in there because I know you love Cuphead and I love Doom and you love Doom and you merge those together and you, and, and you got something. And what's cool something. about it is, yeah, it's got the scratchy film look and everything, but his, I'm now I'm laughing at the cartoon aspects of it because your mouse and your power-ups are cheese. So you actually like see your gun go down and your hand comes up with a piece of cheese and you shove cheese <laughs> in your mouth. Yeah. And then it's, oh, and then he just ate spinach out of a can and got muscles. So it's kind of popeye reference <laughs> this looks so cool oh there's a pe- yeah all right eric i'm eric i'm in love <laughs> there, there's a video of him at a shipyard and yeah. you, he has like a tommy gun there's a bunch of mice walking around so he looked up shot a rope and dropped a piano on their heads <laughs> that was awesome yeah i'm gonna see let's see if you can see that again so that was super clever and of course they have a you know, the newspaper that spins into view to tell the story. Yeah. All right. Check us. I think it was right here. Gosh, this, yeah, this is so game cool. looks like it's going to be fantastic. I mean, even just from a game perspective, it looks really good. Oh, finger gun. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm in love. All right. That's Keep my new eye on that one. Yeah. That's the new, that's the game I'm looking forward to, but that's 2025. Shoot. Um, do you want to read this one for Tim? <laughs> I do because I really do want, I I need to look into this because this looks like uh, some very cool stuff. So Tim says a new Ultimate 64 or Ultimate 1541 firmware update has been released. A major update with network internet capabilities. Um, Assembly 64 online game database instant game search. Download and run the game. Control C64 from web interface via browser upload and run games. And then uh, I, I, I don't know what Tim put there, but I'm not, I think that's enough. Basically, there's a firmware update for the Ultimate 64 or the Ultimate 1541, which I have both of those. And they're both, if you have a Commodore 64, you should get one of these. They're awesome. Well, the Ultimate but, 64 is a full computer, basically, after you put it in, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. And I have an okay. Ultimate 64 that's decked out two different types of SID chips in there, so I can switch between the two. Um, so cool. Full capability of putting an SD card in and looking at... I mean, it, 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 it's the Swiss Army of the Commodore 64. You can do anything. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Um, but this looks like it adds the ability, if I'm reading this right, to um, go out and it connects to some kind of backend on the internet and can just grab a game and download it off the internet. I mean, that's what I'm reading here that Tim wrote. I'm hoping that's the case. Yeah, that would be Assembly amazing. 64 online database. Yep. Frederick's tool to copy content into folders. Cool. That's pretty amazing. The only reason I'm not super excited is because I don't own one of those devices. <laughs> right. <laughs> But very cool. Thanks, Tim. 
Um, next item for me, also from Time Extension, you'll see a theme here. This is one I was actually really excited about because it's one of my favorite games of all time. So I needed to talk about it. Um, oh, I take it back. I'm sorry. This is not the one I was thinking of. Um, but still exciting because, and we knew this would happen, but uh, Evercade announced Indie Heroes Collection 3. That's going to arrive early. It says next year, but that means this year, Eric, because we're into yes. this year now. Um, so as everyone on here has probably heard, I love the Evercade for all the indie games, all the new modern retro stuff for old consoles that you can now buy on a cartridge and give money to uh, developers and have on a cartridge. So Indie Heroes Collection 3 is a collection of a bunch of indie games released on various different hardware platforms, but consolidated into one cartridge for Evercade. And um, the titles included are Donut Dodo, Thunderpaw, Magic and Legend, Time Knights, excuse me, Doodle World Redrawn, Bubble Seahorse Adventures, which Eric is really looking forward to. <laughs> yes. It's probably a really good game. I have no idea. It just sounds funny. Uh, Orbody Binder's Tale. Skate Cat, Big to Small, Alien Cat 2, Bone Marrow, and Choo Choo Mimic. Uh, many of those games which look just super cool. Uh, the Donut Dota one looks really good. The Mimic one looks really good. Um, and these are all games that, you know, the Evercade does this thing where uh, if you just keep doing firmware updates, once uh, every month or so there's a new indie game that you can play free for a month and then it goes away. Um, I've never done them because I always end up playing the games right before they go away and then they disappear and I get angry. Yes. Um, so I just wait for Indie Heroes 3 to come out because they consolidate all those games into that collection so then you can buy them and own them on a cartridge. There's Bubble Seahorse. That does look good. It does look good. This one's like uh, Mega Manny. Anyways. I love my arcade. Bone Marrow. Bone Marrow. What does that one look like? <laughs> I don't know. Man. Bone Marrow. Cool. Um, cool. Indie yeah. Heroes Three. That sounds. That sounds good. Speaking of old oh, retro games, this one took me by storm. Here, so the rumors are out right now. Storm and Eric Gates, and there's some videos out of this. There is the world's first flash cart for Nintendo Switch. Heresy has been unveiled, and so there is this. <clears throat> What will be kind of like, have you remember the R1 cards for like the DS where you could put a little SD card in it and you put the cartridge in? <clears throat> Supposedly, there's going to be a thing like that looks like the size of a switch cartridge that has a little slot for micro SD. You can pop that in there and start getting up to shenanigans. Not that I support piracy. I don't. But you do, you but do support shenanigans. I do support shenanigans. Yes. Um, but it's all over the news. We do have a link in our show notes, but there is rumor that they, people are working on it and that it's going to be available in 2024. It's early 2024 here. I'm interested in how this is going to work because I know they have like piracy protection up the wazoo on the switch. And I know they've been hacked already. I've seen things where people have, have, flash different OSs and different different ways to get games onto the switch but <clears throat> if this is as easy as literally popping an SD card in a in a cartridge and popping it into your switch that will be pretty amazing so i'm keeping it's an amazing eye on it for sure. I, i'm excited about the fact that it 
it, it it's being made and it exists, but it's kind of like when you and I, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but we both had our at least uh, 3DSs. Yes. And I got a couple of, um, you know, basically flash carts for my DS. And there was 3DS ones available, but I never chose to get those. But now that 3DS is discontinued, I'm interested in getting one. Like, there's a yes. part of me that... There's, there's, there's all the games and stuff I want. So I want the technology to exist, but I don't want to... Like, it also kind of takes away from the enjoyment of buying a game and playing it and giving... Like, there's part of it, you know? I agree. Um, you know, That's why so, I never hack modern consoles. Like, I remember when I had my Xbox 360, and I, I rocked that thing for 12 years playing it, like, as my main console. And there were... All of a sudden, all these things came out about how to hack it and how to do this. I've never hacked my Xbox 360 because you didn't have to. You could get those games pretty readily and pretty easily. So I never felt a need to. But once the system's completely discontinued, uh, by the way, you can go into like I've gone into shops where you can buy Xbox oh, 360s. Yeah. So <clears throat> they're still out there. They're still and, and they're typically hacked. Yeah. And so <laughs> I'm not – I. I, I guess I I think I I agree with you in spirit on that. Like I'm just not interested in really hacking a system until it's done. Like it's it's done. Yeah, and I'm not just saying that because I'm trying to be moral and everything. Although I am, but uh, it also takes away the enjoyment of the system for me when everything's just like you spend all your time trying to pirate stuff and you get weird versions of stuff. And then but it's like no, nope. I yeah. I have. We'll use that word again. I've been blessed. I'm gonna buy things that I want to enjoy. And because I paid more for them, I will le- like dig into them and play them a long time and get full use out of them and then move on to the next one. And yep. You know. It's different when they're not available at all anymore. I don't feel as bad and I feel like it's okay, but yeah, well, yeah. things are still available. I'm not, I'm just not down with it really. I don't know. That's just my two cents. I'll read this one from Tim. <clears throat> this is uh, from games that weren't.com. Uh, game is thrust. And uh, apparently it was a brilliant budget title. Uh, we've all heard of Thrust. Yep. Um, developed first for the BBC Micro. I did not realize that. Um, Me neither. So I'm trying to figure... I'll be honest. I'm trying to figure... Oh, okay, here you go. Tim says, Thrust, the classic Gravatar-style game famously released for the Commodore 64 with legendary music by Rob Hubbard. A previously unreleased DOS version has now been found and made available by Frank Gasking over that at Games That Weren't. So, I shouldn't be the one to read this one because it's a port, and that's right. never never something I'm terribly excited about. But if you want to try the original Thrust from Fireward Thought Software, and there was a, a a version that was made back in the day at the real time that was never released on the PC, now you can. And it looks very DOS. It does look very DOS, and Thrust <laughs> is a game that I always think looks cool, but I'm I've never been very good at Thrust games. I don't know why. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Space Taxi, but more frustrating and less fun. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> is that the one too that uh, I don't see it in the pictures here? But is that the one that you would also like pick up a big weight, and then the weight would add momentum, and so you're like fighting this weight while you drag it out of the cave? Yeah, because if you pick it up and you go like uh, horizontal, and then the the weight is swinging. It like moves. Like yeah. it's hard to maneuver your craft. So and there's a timer. I, I, and there's a timer res- while you're doing that. Yeah, I respect the game absolutely. I mean, it is really cool. I think any game that has physics like this is really neat. But I'm not very good at them, so I tend not to go looking for them. Oh. 
<laughs> um, I'm over here doing card tricks for Eric. So the next item here, I'm going to move past Thrust, was me as well. And this is one that is pretty big news. I have not done it yet, uh, but I do own myself an Amiga Mini, as do you, Eric. Yes. Uh, the, the Mini A500, and it has a new firmware update bringing fixes and improvements and the update also comes with a new included game so if you haven't thrown a bunch of your own games on there like everybody has this will add one more (laughs) for you uh the new game is time bandit which is a great game yes it is so uh some other cool things that are added in the update uh, support for custom controller configurations, which is great. Uh, this is a good one for those who ran into it. Covers the uh, corrects the speed of certain WH load games when that ran too quickly. Allows you to use a second controller when you have ADF files loaded. I didn't know that was an issue, but that's definitely an issue you want to get fixed. Um, fixed an issue where USB stick can appear corrupt and other minor bug fixes. But update. So let's go get it and update our. A500 because updates are good. Yep. I still have a little uh, USB thing for you that when next time we see each other, I got to hand that off to you. Oh, yeah. No, what else you need to hand off to me is one of your C64 mini controllers so I can make some modifications for you. I to do oh, that. yeah. 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 I want to do that. And then I also got a chicken McNugget for you. Remember? Oh, that's right. The, the Tetris chicken. Tetris, and I got to ship, ship one to Tim, too. So those are all waiting. Waiting for our next... We got, we got to-dos. Although I still think we should just save money on shipping and fly over there and give it to them in person. True, true, true. This one's you, Eric. Yeah, so Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which we were just talking about. We did just talk about it. Is now the Japanese version is on Saturn, patched and updated. So um, can now play the ultimate version of Castlevania on Saturn because the version that was on Saturn... If I remember right, it was only it was Japanese only or something like that, um, or or the version that was on there wasn't the full version or something. Um, I didn't know there was a Castlevania something on the Saturn. There was PlayStation. Oh yeah, there was the, there was there was definitely PlayStation, and then um, it looks like there is now the uh, complete. Version. Oh here we go. Yeah, it was released on Sega Saturn, complete with additional modes and levels, but really poor performance. Yep. So it's actually it, the best version of the game if it just played right, and I guess now it plays right. Yep, but the p- poor performance of that console in the West meant that it never got released outside of Japan. There you so go. So now it is in English here, and it runs really great. So if you go and you check that out and go download it, you should be able to patch your version, and it should work really great. Yep, translation to English, uh, English uh, restores translucency. That's right, the, the PlayStation version had translucent parts that Saturn couldn't do. <laughs> yep. Uh, direct access to the global map, restoring original proportions of certain sprites, all kinds of all kinds of things. It keeps going. And supports, supports the 4-meg expansion card, which is yep. always cool. Perfect. Yeah. That'd be a fun way to play it since you wanted to del- delve into it. You might as well do it on the, Sa- the Saturn version now. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yep. I'll let you take the Tim one here. Okay. Tim says, okay, here we go. I'm just going to read this as he put it in the notes. <laughs> Forest saver. Save the trees in this new Commodore 64 game by Into Inside. 
All right. I was all looking. I was all looking at that word, thinking, "How am I going to pronounce?" This? I was too. It's really like into in inside. And like, oh wait, yeah, no, it's into inside. Gotcha. It's just into inside, <laughs> but it's all crammed together in one word. Uh, so, but this is on indie retro news, um, and this game looks like a Commodore sixty four game. It, it does. I know it kind of reminds me of a mixture between um commando like the top down mm-hmm. look of commando but then the single screen just kind of walk around do your own thing of uh park patrol yeah so uh, and leave it on that screen here and i'll read this in this game playing as a ranger with his job to protect the forest you must be careful of the loggers and industries who not only want to destroy the forest but they are also trying to pollute the lakes and make land for their pasture and that was taken uh straight from indie retro news so i want to give in, credit where credit is Thank you. Cool. Forest Saver. But it looks like a cool new game. Yeah. One of those games that, that uh, doesn't look like it's going to blow your mind, but maybe it will. Kind of like uh, fi- Fix-It Felix Jr., which once you play it, you're like, this is just, it works. Yeah. Everything, like everything the, works. One of the best games now on the C- C64. Yeah. Um, a little update on Atari. <laughs> yeah. So uh, apparently, Atari now owns almost half of Polymega maker Playmaji. So I yeah, don't know where a- this one's going. Atari is buying up all sorts of things, and I, I, I do wonder where do they get their money. <laughs> I mean, they're Atari, so I mean, I know a few years ago they were really struggling, and they were just putting little things out because I mean, yeah. it was just if I remember right, it's just like a, a dude or a couple dudes that bought yes. Atari. But it sounds like, I mean, with the amount of things they're doing now, it sounds like they've turned nothing into some money. Yeah. And now they're going nuts. So uh, apparently Atari's latest financial report, according to timeextension.com, has shed some light on the company's relationship with polymaker Playmaji. And they actually give credit to Destructoid for that fact. Uh, but it's interesting because... Um, well, it revealed earlier this year that it was partnering with Playmaji to create element modules for its modular console uh but it was going to make a minority investment in the firm but now it owns more than half of the firm so a total of 4.6 million euros so who knows i don't think any of us know what that means or why they would do it but it's i mean that's i'm sure there's a reason they bought more of it then and got to more than half of the company right yep Fancy rich people games. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. Uh, this one's you. Yeah, so this really got my attention. And again, this is from Time Extension was where I first read this. But I've done a ton of research on this. Like I've looked at YouTube. I've even spoken to one of the developers of this uh, because I had a question. Does this work with uh, my mod chip? And he said, yes. Um. This is called the Flippy Drive. This is an ODE for your GameCube. Now, there are ODEs for the GameCube. There's one called GC Loader. There's there's mod chips, blah, 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 blah. The thing that makes this one really cool is that they really took their time and engineered a way where this little thing called the Flippy Drive can... Basically, I've watched a video of this guy installing it. There's no soldering at all. You basically open up your GameCube, you take off the optical drive, and you mount this little... It comes with a 3D printed bracket where it, it, it's inside, but it's... it's Tiny, so it just mount, mounts out of the way. It, 
Yep, and the coolest thing about this is the ribbon cable. The ribbon cable goes into the optical drive uh, port, um, but you can still use your optical drive. It doesn't replace it. So you can still use your physical games if you want to. You can still use your burnt games if you have a, a mod chip like I do, the Xeno GC. Mm-hmm. But the flippy drive sits in there. There's an SD card on it. And it basically gives you this screen that just shows you it looks like an integrated GameCube menu. And it it basically just shows a graphical picture of all the games you have. It looks so good. I mean, this this was extremely well thought out. There's the screen I was talking about. Yeah. It just shows like a little screen of all the discs that you have on this SD card, period. And then you just pick it and you play. So no soldering, super easy to install, and... Cody, you ready? Are you Eric, ready for this fact? It, it's like two hundred bucks, right? Thirty-eight dollars. Uh, that's amazing. Booyah! Thirty-eight. Yeah, that's crazy. And and this isn't going to be ready in twenty twenty-six. This isn't going to be ready in twenty twenty-five. This is going to be ready quarter one, twenty twenty-four this year. So within a month or two, this I'll be buying be that. Yeah, because you and I, I mean, I know I do. I, I can't remember what all you had, but we, I did the solder chip, and then yes. you know, could I could do some burnt games? I was burning games, and then if I wanted to to just try some stuff, I have that that little cheap like four dollar uh, thing you can shove in the bottom that allows you to play games off an SD card with the mod chip. Yep. But like videos and certain parts of the games just stutter. Like it's they not stuttered. perfect. Yep. It's, it's by any means. It's. It's definitely a uh, a subpar playing experience. So, yep, and uh, that keeps me from playing cool. GameCube. Frankly, frankly, I, it's one of the least played systems that I have because, first of all, if I need a game, I don't know if you notice, GameCube games are freaking expensive. Right oh now. yeah, I mean any GameCube game. So let's say you use a mod chip and you burn the game, they don't run that great. They stutter. The drive sounds like it's like gonna blow up because it's like trying to read <laughs> these. Uh, these these burnt discs this is the clean solution and no soldering nothing it just it it does i watched the video of the install there is exactly one million screws you have to unscrew one million screws but that's all there is is just screws gotcha so and you just put this in there and then you put it all back together and it just works I'm really looking forward to this. I signed up. There's a there's a link in our show notes. There's a it's flippydrive.com basically. If you go to flippydrive.com, you can sign up for the pre-order. You don't have to pay any money. They'll just send you an email when it's ready to order. Now, another the last thing I'm going to say about this, it doesn't use any custom parts. So, the PCB is the only custom part all the chips that are soldered on there, some ports and stuff are off the shelf stuff. So you know how we'll get into these things and there'll be shortages of them and you'll have to wait six months for them to produce another batch. Supposedly this won't have that problem. Everything is off the shelf. So I have to figure out, am I interested in an ethernet add on Eric? I did. I I I probably said yes because there's no commitment. But I don't know what I would do with an Ethernet thing on the GameCube. I mean, who you? I mean, who are you gonna call? There, I don't know. Well, I just signed up. So, yep. 
I cool. just saw you sign up on there. Good, good man. I, I think this looks amazing. And when I asked the question, I was like, well, I don't want to take my mod chip out because that thing was a pain in the butt to get in there. And he said, as long as it's like the Xeno GC chip, which I think is what you and I both have. Yeah. Yep. We're good. He said that should be fine. Cool. So I had to bring this one up because this is impressive. Like I, you've heard of fan games and, uh, and they're all yes. impressive. Don't get me wrong. Like uh, yep. some of my favorite AM2R, another Metroid 2 remake was one of my favorite fan games that I've played. It plays exactly like a Nintendo made Metroid Super Nintendo game. Yeah. Um, bunch of really cool like ROM hacks where they made whole new games out of it or just fan games where they made whole brand new games. But <laughs> this is another, <coughs> excuse me. Woo. This is another level right here. Uh, somebody made a full-on fan game, Shenmue, 15, oh, wow. 15 hour adventure. <laughs> uh, it's called Shenmue Dreams of Saturn. Um, available on PC, Mac version on the way, but uh, it is a full-on Shenmue adventure, and if you've played any of the Shen, I've not done a ton of the Shenmue stuff, but they're big open worlds with all kinds of stuff to do. Yeah. And I can't imagine a fan putting this much effort into this. Now, what's cool about it is that Shenmue is a Sega property, which means it's not Nintendo, which means they won't be taken down and destroyed immediately. Uh, so, if you're a Shenmue fan, probably worth checking this out. Yeah, I've tried to get into Shenmue. It's it's not my cup of tea, but it's technically really cool because you didn't see that many open world games and they're just like little mini games. You know, you can go up to the soda machine and get a soda out of there. And it's, I've heard it, I've heard it ta- said that it's like a talk, or I'm sorry, a walking simulator where you're just walking around doing things. And that's cool. I think it's a technical marvel and I think it's really neat. Um, it, it definitely worth checking out. I mean, if you can just download this and play it, I'd definitely check it out. And it said it's supposed to be out December 15th, which it's past that. So there you go. It should be out now. Yeah, cool. A uh, bunch of new mini game. Oh, I have to read this. A bunch of new mini games, including uh, something from Echo the Dolphin, uh, Sonic Spinball Arcade Machine, and a game based on Nights into Dreams. So, very cool. That is cool. Uh, this one's all over the place, Eric. But I will let this you talk about it. This one is all over the place. I put it in the notes a while ago, so like when it first broke, but. A 13-year-old kid is the first human to beat Tetris. How do you beat and, Tetris, Eric? And he you can see this kid is just like losing his mind. Losing his mind because he rolled it. He got to like what is it? 999,999 points and then I think the game just goes to a kill screen. Like it yep, just kind of like kind of like on Pac-Man, it looks like the line clears and it just stops. Yep, and it's just like, nope, I can't do this. I can't handle this. Yep. And I, I think the game just could not conceive of a person getting that far. And this this kid, 13-year-old kid, gets to the kill screen and, like, beats the game. I, I love stories like this. I think that is so awesome. And this kid, 13 years old, I mean, Tetris was was going on when he was just an itch in his daddy's pants. Not even. Exactly. So, I mean, this is, I think it's pretty impressive. I, I, I love stories like this. Now, I have, to, I have to give you the sad news, Eric, the sad news Uh-oh. of the story. I don't have the details in front of me, uh, yeah. because you see this kid's name everywhere 
Uh, yeah. I, can't, I can't remember what it is right now. I already closed out of it. But, it is, you know, his little gamer tag name is everywhere and everyone's talking about it. I read on one of the websites uh, recently that the very day after he did it, another kid yeah, did it. Yeah, another person did it. And he gets no recognition. <laughs> <laughs> you, did, you didn't do it first, bro. Welcome to right. life. Um, the bad news is this kid's name is Billy Mitchell Jr. And it was a rigged uh, <laughs> machine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, we'd love to talk about weird things on this show. And uh, last time we talked about a wristwatch that looked like a Mega Drive. Well, this time we're going to talk about earbuds. Uh, <laughs> only, so, in, only, in, only available in Japan, sadly. Sadly, yep, sadly. And I'm sure they're, uh, oh, they're, oh, they're, not, they're not terrible. $108 each. Well, 15,500 15, yen. Uh, Japanese company Onkyo uh, came out with these. And you've got either Sega Saturn... I'm sorry, not Sega Saturn, Sega Dreamcast or Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive. Uh, so it comes in a little case that looks like the system. You open it up, you pull out these little off-brand earbuds that I guess are the colors with the logos on them, but they're kind of designed that they even have the buttons on the Dreamcast one, like the D-pad on one earbud and the four buttons on the other, <laughs> the four colored buttons. Yeah. Okay. Now, nor- okay. <laughs> normally, normally I'd say... <clears throat> well, that's like a lot of money for just probably some kind of cheap, like, you know, earbud headphones that you can get in, you know, China or something for a thousand for 10 bucks or something. Yeah, but yeah. the truth is, and you might know this because you're you're kind of an audiophile like I am. Onkyo is a big company. They make some very high-end stereo systems. Yeah, it's true. Um, so true. maybe these Onkyo ones are... Maybe they're pretty good. I don't know. Yeah, I just no wouldn't. Idea. I don't know if I'd want that sticking off my head. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird to me, but, you know, teach their own. But if you don't want these in your head, you can also scroll down here, Eric, and okay. you can pick up another device from Onko that they're making, which is a wireless charging pad, which you can definitely get off of Amazon for a few bucks from all kinds of nondescript vendors. And essentially, it's just got a sticker of a Dreamcast on one and a sticker yeah. of a Mega Drive logo on the other. Don't get that one, but there you go. Uh, and then it looks like they've got some shirts coming out too. So there you go. You can buy some <laughs> Dreamcast and Mega Drive stuff. I'm excited about this one. I have not heard of this one yet, Eric. Okay, so this is Hyperkin's portable Genesis Mega Drive docks like a Nintendo Switch. So <clears throat> I can't remember if this is coming out. In- in 2024, I think it is, but this is going to be a portable machine, kind of like the Nomad, where you can plug a big chunky Genesis cart right into the top of it. But the nice, the cool thing is, it has a D-pad, has all the six buttons, like the very cool like um, Saturn controller. Um, and when you dock it, there are ports in the front of the dock that allow you to plug in. Good I just old saw fashioned that. Genesis controllers. That part's pretty cool. So basically, this machine is like a Sega Genesis that you can get. Um, modern day, plug a real card in, play all your games docked and and on a big screen, and then you could take it with you and play. I think I think it said somewhere that it was maybe up to f- ten hours. Yeah, ten hours of battery life on a single charge. It, it's it's called the Mega Ninety Five. And uh, basically, it is a dockable, portable Sega Nomad to a degree, but the screen's much, much better. <laughs> yeah, five-inch screen. Yep. 
And then for whatever reason, they allow you to toggle between 60 by 9 and 4 by 3, which just never use 16 by 9. Never. It's a ridiculous ability. Yep. Um, yeah, that's really cool. They don't, I'm looking for the price. They didn't mention the price on here, but. Yeah, they did. They didn't. But Hyperkin tends to make things pretty inexpensive. So yeah, I can't imagine affordable. this is going to be outrageous. I would guess it's going to be sixty nine ninety five. That's going to be my guess. That's your guess. Okay. Um, now, the one trick I think they missed is the Genesis cartridge still gets plugged in label forward. Which, if you look at the shape of a cartridge, like you'd think it'd be able to like go the other way and be more sleek and kind of like hide in the back. But I don't know. It, it looks weird to me. Yeah, the unit I itself would, looks cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see how this is. Now, I don't even know if this is the final version of this picture in this picture, but I assume it is. But anyway, gotcha. This is a fun one. I thought was was cool. So, uh, the game Alien Resurrection came out on the PlayStation a long time ago, yes. and there was a there was some hidden uh, game codes and stuff in there. And I think, I'm not reading it all right now, but I think people found out that this game does, uh, yeah, circle left, right, circle up, then R2, enables the cheat menu. And once you're in there, you can have, you can insert other button combinations to unlock more cheats, right? And there's one in there that people didn't know what it did. So it's actually built into this game. It existed. People knew it was a cheat. They just never figured out what it was. Well, Eric, what it was is it turned your PlayStation into a region-free game machine that you didn't have to... You could open it up, put it a a, a burnt disc, and it would play. (laughs) Yeah. But they just found out about it, like, this week. (laughs) I just read about this somewhere else, and I couldn't remember the name of the game, but now I know it's Alien Resurrection, which I imagine this game was going for, like, pretty cheap not that long after a couple years after oh, it's sure. yeah, yeah. but this allows you to do like a disc swapping without the disc yeah. swapping like you could put in there now these codes aren't the easiest thing to put in but supposedly you get there you go to the cheat menu and then yeah you can just literally take the disc out and pop another disc in and i read that originally it was because this was going to be a two disc game but it turned out it wasn't so that was in the cheat menu so that they the developers could easily swap discs in there without having to oh, that makes reboot. Sense. Yeah. But um but yeah, it's pretty amazing. So the the funny things they're finding nowadays. I actually kind of want to play to play the game. It looks pretty good. First person yeah, shooter. I never I never good. I don't remember hearing anything about this one, but I don't either. That's really cool. Um but it's funny because I guess, you know, even though... So back in that time, I remember uh, the PlayStation 2 just came out, but I spent like $60 buying the Magic Disk Swap Disk or whatever so I could play import games and yep. and stuff like that. So I get it back in the day that this would have been really cool to know. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, people are starting to buy this thing like crazy as soon as this was announced and the prices have shot up. Have but they? There, there's no reason to now. <laughs> like, Right. I mean, I guess it's just fun to have. Like, this is the... Di- kind of like... Um, the prices of uh, the NES carts that have the um, the five screws on them, yes, have gone up because they physically have a Japanese to NES adapter in it. That's Even right. Even though there's a million ways to make those play now, it's like having one of those with the adapter built into the cartridge is cool. Yeah. So I have one just to have one. So it's just like getting the 7800 cartridges that have the pokey chip in them. Yep. Yep. Because those are all getting cannibalized now too to get those yeah. rare yeah. pokey chips. So. 
Yep, that's true. All right, where are we at on here? Um, Earthbound da, 30th anniversary. Da, ah, yes. So I, I, I put this article in our notes a while ago, but from what I understand, there's an upcoming 30th anniversary upcoming 30th anniversary of one of the most iconic 90s RPGs. That is Earthbound. Um, now, it will be commemorated, but what I found interesting in this is that there is no new game coming out. There is no new translations coming out. It will basically be like new merch for Earthbound, so there'll be all this video game ephemera, but really there's nothing... There's nothing going to be substantial about this. Nintendo is acknowledging the 30th anniversary with this merchandise, but there's not going to be much about it, which I think is a lost opportunity. The 30th anniversary is a big deal. and There's so much they could do with Earthbound. So many people want translations of the ones that never made it over here. Um, it does say here. I, yeah. Yeah, new merchandise. A unique event that has, quote-unquote, never been done before, Eric. And then an unspecified collaboration with another event. I don't even know what any of that means, but there you go. Yeah, That's what either. they're going to do. It's like way to way to like pump the pump, pump the fans up. up. Pump it, pump it. But anyway. So anyway, that's, that's it. I'm going to keep it nice and short on that one. So that's it. Gotcha. I'm also going to keep it short. That's just a segue. I, I might take a long time. I don't know. Um, <laughs> So this came out like we've been hearing about the Sindin light gun for quite a while. This is a review yeah. uh, that Time Extension did, and so it's not really news. It's more more that um, we never really talked about it because they were talking about it for a while, but it was only going to be used for like Duck Hunt. Um, but yeah, the the, the gun is uh, eighty nine ninety so ninety pounds. And it is a, a light gun that allows you to play classics like Duck Hunt, Time Crisis, Virtual Cop, House of the Dead on your modern flat screens. Because you can't play old light gun games on your modern flat screens. Uh, they work with CRTs specifically. But like the Nintendo Wii, you have to have a little light bar and it kind of fakes the light gun. But this actually is a product you can go out and buy. It looks a lot like the, the PlayStation 1 Gun Cons. And uh, it is designed in a way where you can play old old games on your flat screen TVs. Um, and apparently it actually works really well. Unfortunately, it is kind of limited to a certain number of games because it takes some software to make it work. So it's going to work on a lot of your PC stuff uh, and, and specific games um, using quote unquote clever mass and clever software. Uh, high quality speed camera looks at the screen and calculates where the player is pointing with the aid of a thin border added to the white edges of the image. So there is white edges that go around your, the edge of your screen. That kind of creates your point of reference for the camera on your gun. But the other cool thing about it is if you want, you can pay an extra 50 pounds and the you get an optional recoil upgrade. So you get a yeah. large solenoid and capacitor in there, which kind of jolts back and forth as you're shooting. So uh, cool to know. It's also got the D-pad and stuff, just like the gun con. So you can you know, go through menus, navigate menus and things like that. But it's really cool that this exists. Um, I would like to see... Uh, so, Eric, this should be of interest to you that for this particular re- review they did on timeextension.com, they used Batacera on the Steam Deck. Yep, which I have. Yeah, And uh, and they said it worked really well. And uh, <clears throat> for the games that supported it, it, worked, it, was, it was great. So, I, very cool. 
I'll tell you this. Around Christmas time, it was the week before Christmas, I went on a little research expedition. And I very, very, was very close to pulling the trigger on one of these. No pun, pun intended. intended. Again, that's two. Wah, wah, wah. Yep. Uh, but I was. <laughs> and I'm thinking I still might. I Just like you hinted at here, I want to see what games are supported. Um. And then and then go from there because honestly I've never played that many light gun games. I mean they I, I love them they're fun. I love light gun games. Um, but I'd want to play them on a big enough screen and far enough away where it kind of makes more sense. Um, yeah, playing them on a much smaller LCD just wouldn't. That's not fun to me. So anyway, I I'm I'm thinking I might I might do that. I got real close. I was hovering over the purchase button. So anyway. <laughs> I'd love to give it a shot with you. So this one, new Bomberman patch unlocks hidden prototype in the Saturn demo. So there was this demo for um, uh, Bomberman. And when you put this uh, code in there, the demo disc. So the demo disc, which was free, obviously, you could put in this code and you can unlock a version of a full version of Bomberman that you could play like <laughs> an older version. So um, I thought that was a pretty neat thing that they're, so they're still finding like some crazy stuff from demo discs and stuff like that, that were hidden in these little gems. So pretty cool. I never played Bomberman on the Saturn. Yeah. The, the Saturn one's supposed to be kind of special in that you can play like, like 16 players or 32 players or something, something crazy, like that. Right? And, and you'll hear about some of these festivals or whatever, and they'll have a setup for that with that many controllers and people get together and have a blast. with Chaos. It, so. They'll have a what? A they'll blast? have a blast with it. Yeah. That's three. I just threw this one on here. We're coming to the end of our news here. Uh, I just thought this was cool because at first I'm like, oh, great, a port. And then I realized, no, this is not a port at all, uh, according to RetroDodo.com. A uh, new fan game was created where they took the Game Boy style of the of two games and created their own new game. They took RoboCop on the Game Boy and the style of Alien vs. Predator on the Game Boy and created a new PC title con- called RoboCop vs. Predator. <laughs> <laughs> and but it it looks really good and uh it, it it i haven't tried it or played it or or really looked at it at all but um apparently it's a great experience which is better than both those previously mentioned games were back in the day right that robocop game was rough man yeah um i've never played alien versus predator but uh it looks it it's definitely got a wider screen ratio so there's more stuff on screen more detailed than those old games but it's you know, black, gray, and white, just like the original Game Boy. Uh, but it is a PC uh, a game you can download. And um, it's got all kinds of cool stuff. Like, it looks like there's underwater scenes where RoboCop is swimming. There's, like, into-the-screen shooting uh, RoboCop, like, gun range scenes. Um, they kind of described it as taking, like, all of the old tropes from, from games like Contra and Bionic Commander and other games and, and mashing them into a game. So... I think it. I think it'd be really fun to give this a shot. So I might yeah. have to do that. That looks great. And it, the, and and it's the got graphics the, look really cool on it. And it's got the best price. <laughs> yes. Free. Yeah, so they can't go. sell that or they get sued. And is this the last one? Oh, almost second to last one here. 
Yep. So this one's going to be quick too. So the Atari Game Station Pro, which we were talking about earlier, because I was on the fence about which one to get. I guess there is like a um, convention or something, for, and there's my arcade has a booth. Yes. Yeah. Yep. They're going to be releasing new add-ons for the Game Station Pro. One of them is a gamepad, like I was telling you about, that has the paddle and three buttons, so it'll, it'll support um, 7,800 games and things like that much better. Um, there's going to be bundles. There's also a new joystick, which doesn't have the top button and trigger anymore. They put the buttons on the side because I guess people didn't like the button configuration on the wireless controller. Yeah, That'll okay. be on there, and, and with the paddle controller on there, though. So A little rotary knob on there, too, right? Yep, there's a rotary knob that's still on there, but they're going to change where the buttons are on there. So you'll be able to get, they'll bundle that with new GameStation Pros, but they'll, you can also buy the joystick separately. So if you already have a GameStation Pro, there's the joystick. But what I thought was the coolest was that gamepad has the rotary dial. It's a D-pad with three ABC buttons on it, plus some other control buttons for the for the things, but it'll be in a gamepad configuration. So... I'll have to look I, into this. Yeah, I don't know a ton about this yet. This is my first time really seeing it. So I will tell you, they're trying. Atari is trying everything they can to make this kind of stuff stick. Well, technically, this I mean, it's the Atari license, but this this product is my arcade, right? Yes. That's the, the brand on this one. Yep. But that's part of Atari, like, getting the word out. And um, I, I, like I said, each one has its pros and cons. The 2600 Plus plus the GameStation Pro. But I'm just happy to see that there's a way to get clean um, HDMI output for, you know, classic Atari games, whether they're 5200, 7800. The, the GameStation Pro can play all of those. Cool. So, yeah. New options. Go. More things to spend money on. That's right. So there's a new game called Paco Paco. Paco 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 okay. Paco Paco. It's a Pac-Man game. Okay. Uh, fan game. And I think this is a hilarious idea. And when I first saw it, I thought it was a joke, but apparently it actually plays and it plays well in your browser, Eric. Haven't okay, been, okay. haven't done it yet, but this is Pac-Man simplified to the point where no longer is it a 2D Pac-Man game, Eric. It is 1D. 1D. It is a straight line with 16 pellets, Pac-Man and one ghost. And apparently that's it. And it's great. Apparently. <laughs> like, apparently like, wow. So here's the gameplay and it's literally you... <laughs> Uh, yeah, on basically one corridor, you can't go up or down, just left and right down one tube with one ghost, and you can still port, you know, what do you call it, transport off the left and go to the right, and vice versa. But yeah. just one power pellet, sixteen pellets, and one ghost, and apparently it's actually really fun. I don't know. <laughs> that is pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, I, I have to try, try it. it. I, <laughs> I want to try it. It says you can play it in your browser right now. Maybe I should play it live to tape right here, right now. Let's see. If it, <laughs> let's see if it works here. Here we go. Here Paku we go. Paku, there it is. Tap, turn. Tap, tap to turn. Oh, I see. I literally, oh, the ghost is faster than me. I already lost, Eric. Oh, <laughs> there right. we go. So let me get out of this way here. Yep. Oh, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to eat you. Oh, no. I Game over. Okay, hold on. It's really quick. He he turns into a... Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I'm getting it now. There we go. There we go. Yep. I ate Boom. him. I ate him that him. time. Oh, run away. Run away. Run away. Get him. Get him. All right. There we go. You got him. Uh, <laughs> that looks like it could be pretty fun for a high score challenge. It's actually pretty fun. It's just a one button Pac Man game. Yep. Oh, I died again. Okay. I have to stop. We have a show to record. 
That's fun. All right, so check out our show notes or just Google Paku Paku. Yep. There we go. Uh, Eric, we're done with the news, my friend. So it is time, not yet, to go to a battle, but a time for me to pause briefly while you and I go get beers. Yes. By the magic of the internet, we are back here with some beers. Eric, what you drinking this time? So this time I'm doing a retro rewind beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I am having a Fuller's London Pride. Boom. Oh yeah. I think yeah. we've I think we probably had this years ago on the show. We did some Fuller's stuff, yeah. I, I thought it was what was the other Fuller's one? Was it London Pride? No, there's another one called um Oh my goodness. It's a good one, though. It's really good. In fact, I like it better than one of the Pride. I think we had that one. Yeah. Whatever the other one was. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm having another new one. And this is uh, this ended up in my fridge, and Buddy came over and brought some of these. And I will be up front. I've talked about it on the show, so it's not news to anybody. Okay. It's from Loomis Basin Brewing. So it's a local, fairly local, out of Loomis, California. Unfortunately, it's a brewery that I've never enjoyed a, a one of their beers yet. Okay, so Lumen Basin, because I got to put this in my Loomis, spreadsheet. Loomis Basin. Loomis Basin Brewery. What's it called? It's called What Up, Bro. <laughs> what Up, Bro? <laughs> All right, what kind of beer is it? It's a pale ale. Pale ale, okay, okay. There you go. Nice. Another, another tall boy. Blue can here. Uh, you can see the art- artwork there when you get a chance, okay. but it's, it's, a, it's a beer and a hop shaking hands and saying What Up, Bro to each other. <laughs> so... Uh, and it's funny because dumb little things make me realize. So I'm going to be judgy here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's little things like when I open a beer, I typically, I, I'm curious. I open the beer. I'm like, yep, not sure how if I'm going to like this or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm biased because I've never liked one from this, from this brewery, but I open the can and it's full to the point where, <laughs> excuse me, as soon as I opened it, the, the liquid level is like touching the entire mouth. Yes. Like it's so full to the top. It'd be like, it's, like just it. as, it's just as unnerving as if it was like a half inch empty, right? Like right. their process is not filling the beer to the right amount. So how good is this brewery going to be kind of a thing? Yeah. So, yeah, like when I, I tilt the, I mean, no, I shouldn't complain about more beer, but there's like an <laughs> extra sip in there. Anyways. Right. I agree with you. All right. I'm taking a sip. Take a sip there. Oh, uh, cheers. I, cheers. my Cheers. London Pride is a good beer. I will say that. It's not one of my favorites. It's an amber ale, technically. Um, It's good. It is good. Not good. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Let me try more. Hold on. Give me a third sip here. Let me give one more shot. We're not grading on a curve here, though. So be brutally honest. You know, so it tastes to me like there's no bad flavors. Yeah. It's not, it's not like there's anything bad per, t- per se, but so you know that like, oh man, how do I explain this? So you know how like if you plug your nose, like 90% of taste is smell is actually smell, right? Correct. Yes. Your tongue can only taste like what? Sweet, bitter, sour, 
There's like five tastes you can taste, yep. right? Umami. Umami? That's one of them. Is it really? I think that's, I think that's what it's called. Oh, I have to look that up. Yep. So whatever it is when you like drink a really hoppy beer that you taste. Yeah. It's like that um, almost astringent. I don't know what you call that. That. So this tastes like water and mm-hmm. just that like hoppy feeling on your mouth. Oh, that's a bummer. So it's kind of like, it's just kind of vapid. That sounds and, to me like, like my worst nightmare of beer. <laughs> I mean, it's not overpowering. Yeah. It's almost like water and, I mean, t- there's a beer flavor to it. So maybe a little sweetness, maybe a little water, a little honey and pepper. Oh, I don't know. It's interesting. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not, it's not good. I wouldn't order it. I wouldn't buy it again, but um, by the way, I remembered the Fuller's, the one, the blue label. So this one has a red label. The blue one is ESB, which is a great beer. The extra special bitter, right? Yep. The Fuller's ESB is fantastic. And then they also, this one's London pride and it's an Amber Ale. They also have London Porter, which is really good too. All right. But anyway, so out of 2024, I'm going to give this 1080. 1080. That is not yep. high praise. It's not. I'm going to pop this in my spreadsheet here. So you said how, how much? 11? 1080. You said 1080. Okay. 1080. Like the, like the skateboard trick. I think I like this one a little more than the King Kong one. So I'm going to give this a 1653. See, I'm not going to go zero on the end. All right. All 1653. Right. Solid beer. 2024. Solid beer. Yeah, this one's cool. good. This, and you know that. This one's a good one. Yep. Eric, it's time for yes. a battle. Battle of the systems. <laughs> All right, in this battle again, it's a 16-bit battle of the horizontal scrolling shmups. Yes. Super Nintendo versus Genesis. Just like yep, just like everything in retro gaming, unfortunately, um, the word shmup is also like a bone of contention for some people. Like it shouldn't be. Some people, some people (laughs) really do not like the term shmup. I just use it because it's a short way to say shoot 'em up. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah, okay, I like we'll call it. Up. I'll, I'll appease them. It's a a horizontal scrolling space shooter. Yep, and when when people say shooter, that confuses me too because first person that. shooters are not schmucks, shooters. Anything right? where you're shooting a gun, right? So, and I understand anyway. shoot 'em up could be also that too, but whatever. We take it a turn. Shmup. It's better than Metroidvania, which I have it contention with. Yes, so, anyways. exactly. Uh, Eric, yeah, let's go. I've got uh, I've got Gradius three, and let, let's do uh, let's do Thunder Force. So these are both games that have threes in the title. It's the yes. third game in the series. They're both games on sixteen bit systems, and they're <laughs> both games that were released about the same time period. I think within a few months of each other. I think you have the raw details for us. I do. And when I originally did this, I actually said Thunder Force 4 and Gradius 3. 
Yes. And then I realized in hindsight, no, I need to do three because it's at the same time period, it's a three. And also, there is no Thunder Force for technically because the fourth game in the series was was titled Lightning Force. Oh, I didn't and know I've that. talked about this before, but it's funny. Yeah. They, they changed it to lightning force. Now I'm saying that funny. Do you, do you hear me saying that funny, Eric? Lightning, yeah. Lightning, because it's not lightning force. When the, when Japan named this game, I'm saying Japan because I'm assuming it was someone who was not English speaking, although it could have been. Right. It is actually called lightning, like to remove weight from something. Hmm. I think they used the wrong word because there's like lightning all over the box cover and it's like lightning force. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's hilarious. But anyways, no, we're talking about Thunder Force 3, which is the third game in the series. Uh, but do you have the... Do you want to start Thunder Force 3 and we'll do the details here? Yep. Thunder Force 3 is a game for the Sega Genesis and Mega Drive. Um, it is developed by Technosoft. Um, it is part of a series, of course, called the Thunder Force series. Um, the platforms that this was released on was the Sega Genesis. In the arcade, they actually made a version of this for the arcade. Um, Super Nintendo, Sega Saturn, Nintendo 3DS, and Nintendo Switch. Um, Thunder Force was, was on the released. Super Nintendo? Yep, that's what it says. That's, I'm getting all this dry stats from Wikipedia. Okay, so I guess I'm that could be wrong. Keep, keep going. I'm not going to stop you. I'm just... That could be wrong. Uh, although it says that there's a release date of 1991 for the Super Nintendo. So I'm looking it up. I'm curious. Yeah, go for it. Go ahead. Oh, yep. yeah. Thunder Spirits. It was called Thunder Spirits. That's right. You know what? I had that in my notes from playing the game and doing my research. I had that in my I actual remember notes that once now. we started actually, talking about it. I actually owned that game at one point. Really? <laughs> yeah. So we'll come back to that. Let's come back around to that. But good, good call. Okay. Since we're talking about the Sega Genesis version, specifically the release dates for that were in Japan. It was June 8th, 1990. North America was October 1990, so just a few months afterwards. Um, that's pretty much the dry statistics. In in 91, the game was ported. Um, the, the arcade game is named Thunder Force AC. Um, and then in 91, the AC was ported to the Super Nintendo under the name Thunder Spirits. So... Anyway, thank you, Wikipedia. I should give them more credit. That's where I get my dry stats. So there we go. How about you uh, launch into this game this time? Yep. First thing I want to say is that during my research, I saw um, a picture of the cartridge. Yeah. And I was like, that looks really familiar. So I went out in the garage and dug around in the box, and I found the original cartridge. You own one. There you go. Thunder Force 3. There's the original cartridge. So that's what I got to play it on. On my Wonder Mega. <laughs> um, Thunder Force 3. So when you start this game up, you are you get to a stage select where you can pick different planets. And so they're all named different things. I, I got to admit something right now. I'm sorry to stop you already. Yeah. I thought this was a fake stage select screen because I couldn't figure out how to change the select different stages. Like I just yeah. hit all the buttons and it just always just started the first level no matter what I did. Oh, so really? I thought that was fake. So apparently there's a way to do that. My bad. Okay. If I remember right. You just move your D-pad around and it jumps to from different See, planets. And I'm and trying to hit all the buttons except for the D-pad. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a D-pad. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think you have to hit start because that is tricky because I thought it was a button to start it. Yep. Or maybe, I don't know. I don't remember. But 
But yeah, you can do a stage select and you can pick any of them. And the different stages are like, um, well, the different planets are called Hydra, Gorgon, Serene, Hades, and Ellis. Um, they all have different, um, I'm trying to look in my notes here. They all have different like uh, sticks sh- to them. Like one's a forest one. One yeah, they all is, do the different earth biomes, but the, the entire planet is that biome, right? Correct. Yep. So, and I was trying to see if I made a list of those, but I don't think that I did. But you get the gist. I mean, it's kind of like, um, like, like jungle, rock, mountain. One's like, one's like lava. Um, and the lava one has really cool effects where they're, you know, going back and forth or whatever. Um, very, very colorful and great graphics on this. Now, one of the differing points of this, so you're a ship and you're flying. You can pick up power-ups and they will add a weapon to your menu up on the top. And those you can hit, I think, what is it? The C button? I think it was the C Yeah, to swap uh, which weapon you're using. To swap which button you use, which is different a different element to Gradius, which we will get to. But Gradius always... You pick up a, a power-up, but it just moves the tile on the bottom in the menu system, and then you can hit another button to select the thing that you that you purchased, I guess, with the with the power-ups that you yeah, get. Yeah, you kind of have a, a built-in store with Gradius that you have to collect coins almost, essentially, and then buy things, if you will. Exactly. And so this one has a different element, though. It's You just get a power-up that adds to your menu, and then you can... S- freely select whatever weapon you want. Some of the weapons are fire behind you, some fire in front of you. Sometimes you'll find a thing that goes around your ship and can fire as well, like additional guns that, that rotate around your ship. Another thing which differentiates itself from Gradius is that at any time. So, so on the Gradius menu is a speed up. Yes. But in, Thunder Force 3, at any time, you can hit a button. I think it's the A button, if I remember right. And you can... Is that right? The A button? Yeah. You can adjust your speed on the fly. So if there is a very technical area you're in where you have to maneuver carefully, you can slow your ship down. If there's a thing where you need to dodge out of the way of bullets, you can speed up. So... On the fly, you can change your speed anytime you want. You can select four, any weapon you want. Four different speeds, yeah. Yep. Um, and that's it. And that's the game. And then you're just basically trying to get through the levels. Uh, yeah, what, what I will say about that that's cool yeah. about it is for the most part, yep. I, 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 for the most part, each level you start with what you're going to have no matter where you are at the game. With the exception of the extra weapons you can collect, which when you get hit, they go away. Yeah. Whatever weapon you happen to have either goes away or the weapon gets downgraded. Yep. But for the most part, um, you know, you could start at any level and, and play through any of these levels kind of a thing. Yep. I'm um, looking through my notes here. What else to say? There are bosses in this. So you get to the boss at the end of the level and you battle that boss. In the menu, when you start the game, it tells you what the weaknesses are of the boss on that level. And they do that in like Darius as well, which is another horizontal scrolling shmup series. Um, What I found funny about it is uh, 
and again, I only played through about four levels because I didn't know I had the select the I could have selected the other two. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is the bosses it told you where to fire, which I thought was a cool little touch. But all the bosses were like, you fire exactly where you think you would. <laughs> like the glowing red eye, fire at that, right? Yeah. Or in the mouth, it glows. Fire at the mouth. Like it's always the most obvious place. So it's not like you really needed that hint. <laughs> no. But it is cool that it was there. I thought they might hide them in there. Like it might be a little more, you know, anyways. Yep. And and this, the little thing we're watching right now, that's what the beauty of being able to switch weapons on the fly anytime you want is that when they're below you, you can pick a weapon that shoots down. And then when they, when they're above you, you can pick a weapon that shoots up and, and so on and so on. So you basically can pick different weapons for the scenario that you're in. Um, and then you basically go planet to planet beating the bosses, uh, to get through the game. Thank you. Oh, so I, yeah, go the, ahead. the only th- thing I want to mention is the music. The music is good in thunder force three, um, it's that Genesis FM oh, yeah. synthesizer music though. So if that's not your bag, you're probably not going to dig it, but it is well done. Um, just to, just to bury the lead here. If I had to pick between Gradius music or Thunder Force, it would be Gradius. Gradius has, I think more memorable music, uh, but the music in Thunder Force three is great. So yeah, it's, I'd say it's, it's good. Whereas Gradius is, uh, better than good. I don't know about yeah. great. I don't know, but um, this is uh, this game is like the epitome of Genesis. Yes, like everything about this screams Genesis. It is uh, fast arcade action. It is um, it is a number of things. It's got parallax like crazy, which Genesis loves to have different parallax. Like I'm watching like three the or four are amazing. four different levels of parallax going on yeah. at once. Um, you can tell they were trying to do a tech demo here, like that first level, the forest level, and this one to an extent. Almost every level has some sort of like mesh thing in the in the like middle ground, yeah, or or in the foreground that you're behind. Like that forest level, you're behind it the entire level, yeah. Like the foreground is is nothing to do with the gameplay. It's just in front of it the whole time, and you're like looking at your ship through these vines the whole time. It's really weird. Um, it, look, it looks good. Don't get me wrong. It's not bad. It's just, it's, it's weird. Um, this is actually my favorite level, the, the ocean level, because there's these bubbles that push you up, which makes a fun little uh, thing to it. Yeah. Um, I really love that the weapon select being so involved with the gameplay. I think that's what makes this game so much, so fun and interesting. Um, I actually prefer having all kind of all your weapons except some extra ones. If you lose a weapon, you can still get past parts. That's not a problem. It's just going to be harder or you have to change your strategy. So you're like, I want to go into this part of the, of the level with the missiles because there's going to be stuff on the top and bottom that's shooting at me. And it'd be much easier if I could just take them out right off the bat with missiles rather than have to like go to the top of the screen and shoot them, go to the bottom and while dodging other stuff. So like these are little mini strategies that pop up. The boss battles are pretty cool, although depending on what your weapon is, they can be really short or really long. Um, and it's just a super Genesis-y game. Now, the for me, the things that detract from it, it is definitely a game where you have to play it a lot and memorize what's going to happen ahead of time. Yes, it's, that's true. It's fast and twitchy, and you have multiple lives, and it does do one thing which I really appreciate, which is when you die, you continue playing. Um, you lose a weapon, you lose, you downgrade a weapon, whatever, but you continue playing. 
Uh, it's funny, it takes so much from the Gradius series, uh, and I'm going to say that because I think Gradius did come first, at least the, you know, Gradius 1 and 2 and Salamander and those games came first. It totally steals from those games, including, like, levels where you have to shoot bubbles to make paths, paths to go through. Um, there's, like, there, like that right there. Uh, it has really a lot of fun gameplay elements. Now, where I struggle with this game is... There are a lot of parts, like I said, that you just have to know they're coming. Enemies that will just show up behind you for no reason and kill you without you ever expecting them. Chunks of levels like this part right here where it just starts moving, like the level just starts moving by itself and smashes you between the scenery without you expecting it. So you just kind of have to know what's going to happen. Things falling out of the sky like that right there without you ever knowing about it. Um, it's a whole lot of trial and error and kind of failing forward but you only can fail forward if you memorize exactly what's going on right and uh so you kind of have to be willing to do that with this game you're not there's it's not gonna be possible to pass to beat this game in the first few plays you're going to have to memorize it Um, right but definitely some cool moments definitely cool weapons uh again the sound i couldn't tell you any of the songs right now like i could with gradius but i just know they were kind of like entertaining and action they got, got your blood pumping um and i love i love that all the w- enemies and stuff are kind of like animal based either like a, like that i think that was like a snail thing and we just fought there there's like a little dragon thing earlier right there's fleas flopping flopping around so i always kind of love ro- the robotic animal thing i think it's pretty cool yeah how about you what are your thoughts on this one i like this game a lot um it it's Let's face it, we play games because they're fun. This game is fun. And when I, like, in my mind, time travel back to the era of, of the Genesis, if I had gotten this back in the day, um, the memorization part would actually make the game have longer shelf life because you'd have that thing where you want to keep going forward and try to get further and further and beat all the levels. So... The, you know, the memorization, I think, was really added in there to extend the gameplay value and the gameplay length of this game. Um, the Devil's Advocate real quick, because it yeah. was an arcade game. So was it yes. made to eat quarters? Or was it made yes, to extend the gameplay? Right. <laughs> Anyways. Although I might be wrong on this, but I thought the arcade game came after the console release. It could have. It could have. But... But nonetheless, it does work like a quarter muncher. You're right. <laughs> One way or another. Um, I, I I had fun with this game. And another thing is what thing that's kind of nice about this game is that you can. I didn't. I stayed on normal, but you can pick easy, normal, hard difficulty level on this in the beginning. So there is a way to adjust the difficulty level if you're having problems with it. And you will have problems in certain areas of this game. It does get very hectic. It does get claustrophobic uh, with the narrow passageways and things like that, which is why you can adjust your speed so easily. Um, I had fun with it, though. I had a lot of fun, and I think it's very colorful, very bright. I think the backgrounds are not distracting. I think they're beautiful. I think that this, this really is a beautiful game. So that's my two cents. That being said, even though we talked about this one before yes. Gradius, mm-hmm. I definitely think Gradius was the inspiration for this whole series. Well, I take it back for the series starting from number two. If you ever played okay. the first one, it's a completely different game. It's a top-down, it is um, multi-directional shooter, kind of like almost like your time pilot game. But 
Um, and this came out on, I don't know if you know this, but this was the, the those original games came out on um, MSX and uh, the, the sharp, like okay. the, the, the NEC and the NEC, the X 68,000, I think the original Thunder Force games were top down games. Yeah, Which I no, found pretty interesting. I think the first Thunder Force was also on the Genesis too, though. I think they released on the Genesis, or at least the Master System. I think they might Genesis, have. I, I don't know. I have it in my notes here, though, that there there were eight bit versions on the MSX Sharp and NEC. Yeah. Um, this one's pretty cool looking. Anyways, um, what but what I was going to say is ultimately I do feel that this game and Thunder Force Two, which came before in particular took a lot from the Gradius series. Yeah. Um, I would agree. So I would definitely, in my opinion, this is almost, uh, and I'm sure I'm not 100% correct here, it's kind of almost a Gradius clone that amped up the arcade action. Yes. And uh, and lost a little refinement along the way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. More yeah. slappy over the face than um, precision, <laughs> if you will. But that doesn't mean anything good or bad. This is kind of what I what I feel about the overall makeup of the game. Even the bosses, the way the bosses come in, and the way they have yeah. a core to shoot, and the way uh, you know some of them come in from the back, and you have to dodge them by going around them to get yourself around to the front to start attacking them from the front. Like, there's a lot of similarities to to Gradius here. Yeah, I would agree. All right, uh, I guess we're giving this a score. So we're talking about 16-bit shmups. Um, we're talking about, you know, let's do it out of nine continues because that's what these games <laughs> do. They give you nine continues. Okay. Cody and Eric. Okay. Uh, do you want me to go first? Or are you going to go first? Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, okay. I'll go first. Out of nine continues, I'm going to give this a, and if you need to do a half a continue, I understand that's I'm, I, I approve. Yep. I'm going to give this a. I think I'm just going to give it a straight up seven. Same. 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 There we go. Seven out of nine. Okay. Perfect. Yep. Very good game. Not great game. Very good game. And I was actually happy to pick this one because it's my favorite of the Thunder Force games. Yeah. Most, Most people pick number four, um, because it's more technically advanced or, and whatever. I don't know. Um, and it's but got light, lightning. And it's got lightning. Uh, I know we're not here to talk about the game, but the big thing I have issue I have with that game, even though a lot of people like that fact because it's technically impressive, this game is horizontal scrolling, but you you stay within the level up and down. It's like one yeah. screen, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Whereas Lightning Force, you can go like two and a half screens up and down. So I never know where I am or where I'm supposed to be, and I can't like reproduce my playthroughs. It's like a new playthrough every time because. I don't have that frame of reference. So for me, I just struggle with that. Right. So no, I like I number two and I like this one better than two. So. All right. We're digging into some stats on Gradius three on the super Nintendo. Correct. So Gradius three is developed by Konami and uh, Gradius is a big Konami franchise. Um, it is a series of games called Gradius. Of course, there, the platforms this was released on was the arcade, the Super Nintendo, the PlayStation 2, and the PlayStation Portable. PSP. 
Yeah, so I would say that is the PSP, right? <laughs> I actually have the I'm, PSP. I don't, I'm not, it, it always seems really awkward to see that written out, PlayStation, PlayStation Portable. Portable. I actually have the, the PlayStation Portable and the PlayStation 2, because uh, Japanese version of these games. Nice. They're in collections. This release was before uh, Thunder Force 3. This was released on December 11th, 1989. Um just to give you a little bit of what Wikipedia says about the game, it is a 1989 scrolling shooter video game developed and published by Konami. Originally released for the arcades in Japan and other parts of Asia on December 11th, 1989. It's the third game in the Gradius series. Um, that's pretty much it. Those are the dry statistics for this I, game. I believe that. Now, the, SN, the Super Nintendo version of the game, the loading screen says 1991. Okay. Which is more what I found. I think maybe that's the arcade version. I don't know, but 1991 yeah, I, would be, I think it was says early in North 91. America, in North America, it was released in 91. Oh, the, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. In Japan, yep. it was released in 1990. On the, and those are both on Super Nintendo. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yep. And it served as a launch title for the system in North America. So this was a launch title. Did you know okay. that? Okay. I did not know that, actually. So I'll start um, on this one, if it, or unless you're still doing dry. No, stat. no, please go ahead. Uh, the, you're, you're, I do want to throw one one thing out is that the ship is called the Vic Viper. Yeah, and then the second player is the Lord British in every. Oh, really? Yeah, in every Gradius game, Lord British. I didn't know that. Yep. Cool. Okay, please go ahead. Um. So yeah, I'm just going to describe basically Gradius. I mean, if you're listening to this show, there's a very good chance you already are familiar with Gradius, if not yep. just the first one. Maybe Gradius 2, maybe Gradius 3, 4, maybe 5. Maybe um, Salamander, the series, which is a spinoff of Gradius with almost the same gameplay as Gradius, but with kind of like a, a bio thing going on where you're inside alien animals instead of alien <laughs> worlds. Um, but all the Gradius games share a lot of the same theme, the same enemies, even a lot of the same level design. Um for better or for worse, there are classic games that are very, again, well-designed. Enemy placement is very precise. Uh, it is a horizontal scrolling shooter. It always starts with you in space with these same kind of series of enemies coming at you that when you shoot the entire series of seven or so enemies, it leaves behind a little, uh, I'm just going to call it a space coin. I don't know what to call it, a pickup. And that, as Eric alluded to earlier, is kind of a coin that uh, moves along the bottom of your screen, um, almost like an uh, an in-game, uh, you know, without having to pause, in-game store, kind of always ready for you. And uh, as you collect coins throughout the the level, your kind of highlighted area in the in the store lights up, and you can choose to to buy by pressing one of the four buttons. I can't remember which one right now to buy that weapon and add it to your current arsenal. Um, so you tap, you, you'd actually have the option of your first coin is a speed up. So you start off very, very slow and your first coin will get you a speed up. If you save up two coins, you get a missile. Three coins will get you a double. Four will get you a laser. Five will get you your option, uh, which is kind of a little extra um, bullet pod that follows you around or spins around you. We'll talk about that later. Your, Next coin will get you a force field of, of sorts. And then your last coin will get you kind of a uh, um, 
a unique modifier. I'll talk about that in a second. Now, this is really where this particular Gradius game changes from previous ones, because previous ones, your missile was what it was, your double was what it was, your laser was what it was, your option, everything was kind of one thing. In this game, you got to select ahead of time what you wanted each one of those particular weapons to be. So your missile could be one that your standard one drops to the ground and follows along the ground until it hits something. Or else you can get the Hawk Wind, which shoots one it missile up and one missile down, but they don't travel. Uh, there's another one that does, does the same thing, but behind you. So it's kind of backwards and up and down. And then there's another one that drops a bomb. And it's kind of like a small cluster bomb. Now, I can't, I'm not going to go through every weapon here, but the same thing for the double. There's options for the double. There's options for if you want a standard laser, a twin laser, a ripple. Uh, and then the options, kind of where you want them to be placed around your ship. Even the shields have options. And then that last one's really unique. It's just an exclamation point. It's kind of a modifier. So I don't even know what they all are, to be honest with you. But um, one of them is, oh, shoot, I'm going way too fast. And I've got seven coins to burn. I need to slow down. <laughs> so it really is I like got, I never got that far ahead. So um, I, I do appreciate that that's an option that you can get. I, and these are basically loadouts. Like you can there select you your loadout. Now... I never did this, which I kind of regret now. I mean, I oh, did. Watch I have some, to do it. I did watch some videos. I ba- basically in the beginning there are like uh, pre-made loadouts uh, yeah. for all five of your different or six of your different um, weapons and, and options and stuff like that. And I would just pick. I would change those, but I never went into edit mode. But man, you can get very granular on what your loadout is. So I think that's really neat. There's a funny one too on your shield. If you don't want an actual shield, you can just have it make it make your ship smaller. See how small <laughs> the ship is down there. Yeah. Um, so it's it's it. This is kind of part of the fun of the game. So, anyways, that's that's a that's the weapon system, uh, and it's really fun once you get going and collect a whole bunch of stuff because you got four options following you. Um, you get creative with how you use the options. You're trying to figure out what what lit, if you want the now. The one thing that drives me nuts is you have the double and you have the laser. And they're both available to you. But if you buy a double, then when you buy the laser, it cancels your double. So now you yeah, only have the laser true. and vice versa. So I did kinda, run into that. You kind of have to just learn that. Um, there's also blue coins that when you collect those, they just destroy everything on the screen at, at once. And okay. then, like I said, you always start in every gratis game in space shooting these things. And then after you kind of get past the easy part where you're just gaining power-ups, you go into your first alien world, which is like a tunnel into a, a planet, something to that effect. And of course, there's little missile pods on the on the ceiling and on the floor that are shooting at you. Some of them are walking around, uh, ships flying down the middle. And if you played any of Gradius games, they're, they're all going to look familiar. Um, the first level always has a volcano and that's shooting stuff at you. Luckily, in Gradius 3, you just shoot, you just go past the volcano while it's shooting things at you and try to get past it. In the first Gradius, you actually stop there in a little ditty plays while you try to stay alive forever, and it's the worst part of that game. So I'm glad <laughs> that I'm glad that that changed. Uh, and then one of my favorite parts about this uh, about the Gradius series in general, but this game does it really well. The boss battles are great. Um, yeah, these really creative robot bosses with again this core right, this center red dot or blue dot that you have to shoot while these lasers are shooting at you. And there's these little gates. So you have to shoot these gates. And once you get through all the gates, then the core is exposed and you can shoot the core. Um, really well designed. I actually love the gameplay in Gradius. Um, 
Now, I will say one thing, and then, of course, as you get further on, levels change. There's always a, a level with moy heads, which are like the Easter Island heads that shoot rings at you every Gradius right, game. Right. Um, I mean, there's, it's, it's a really, really cool game, and we're watching a play a full playthrough on the SNES here. full playthrough of this game is an hour and a half. I don't think yeah. I've ever made it halfway through a Gradius game. They are not easy. No. They uh, are very long. Um. They are fair. However, they're fair until they're not, Eric. And so <laughs> exactly, I, yeah, yeah. I will. I will let you talk more about this. I will, I'll stop there. But that's kind of Gradius in a nutshell. Classic, well designed, kind of slower paced. Everything moves very. Um, it, enemies don't, but like the backgrounds and everything, you're kind of slowly trudging through these alien worlds. Yeah, uh, they're long games, and they've got kind of beautiful music, um, kind of classical music, if you will. And uh, very memorable music. I'm here now just watching this gameplay. Um, not particularly like energetic pump, blood pumping music, but just kind of leisurely playthrough music, if you will. So yeah, what else would you want to add as far as how the game plays and what I know we're both going to get to here in a second? Let's uh, One thing I wanted to mention that when you get so many things on the screen at one time, both of these games will chug at times. <laughs> Just want to get that out of there. Um, so, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop. I'm sorry, just let you talk, and I'm already gonna try to shit you. No, up. no, no. Go ahead, go ahead. This was the main thing I thought you're gonna get to. So Thunder Force might do it in in bits and pieces. Yeah, Gradius Three on the Super Nintendo is awful when it comes to frame rate. Yes, it it you are chugging almost the whole game. And right, at different, right, right. different rates of chug, depending on what. So it is hard to play. Yeah. This now I will say that I will say that chugging sometimes works to your benefit because the more crap that's going on on screen, it, you start to like appreciate that you have a little more time to think about things while you're moving slower. So I, I get that, but the yeah, gra- the, the Gradius game does chug a lot more than Thunder Force, but Thunder Force does too. There are levels that Thunder Force will definitely start to chug a little bit when it when things are going on screen. That doesn't bother me. I, I never I never really bought was the frame rates and stuff. If a game is fun, a game is fun. So I'm not going to hold that against either game. Um, I I this game to me is less claustrophobic than Thunder Force Three. There seems to be a little more room to maneuver around. You're a lot smaller on the screen. Enemies are scroll- smaller. So yeah, I get you. Correct. The backgrounds are not as interesting. Um, even even the good good ones are not as interesting as as Thunder Force Three. Um, I found the game to be much harder than Thunder Force. Um, it was very difficult. I had a hard time even getting off the first level while I was playing, and I did eventually. But I just kept dying. I. I there's something of there's some disconnect in my brain. Not everybody. I, I can understand that there'd be people that are really good at this game about having to figure out like the menu system, like the like selecting the game, but while yeah. while I'm playing. Yeah. Um and I'd always do speed up like the first two as speed ups, and then I'd have to go and get the other things because I you do you're painfully slow in the beginning. And I, I know that's on purpose. But um I I found the game very punishing and very difficult to play. And I want to be better at this. And now that I'm thinking about it, 
I should go into edit mode and pick my favorite things for the loadout because I think that would help me in the style that I play. If I could customize my loadout to be better at the kind of, you know, the way that I play these games. So I think I'm going to go back to this game and actually try those. But yeah, I had a very hard time even beating. I, I think I beat only beat two bosses. Okay. Um, I had a very difficult time with this game um but there are things that are way better in this game to me like the music um i think that the um the uh the the boss because i did watch some videos too the boss battles look a lot more interesting than the boss battles in thunder force 3 um i wish that there was kind of a way that in the beginning you could say hey i want to go on easy mode first to kind of learn this game Kind yeah. of figure out what loadouts work and then go to normal. I'm like you. I like to play the game on normal. I like to play the game on whatever the game starts you at. Default, but, yeah. But the problem is with a game like this, it's just too hard. So I, I wish there was kind of some um, training wheels I could put on this bike before I got on there and started riding it. So I'll, a couple things I want to add. Yeah. So yeah. the game, I, I don't agree with everything. I agree with a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. for me, the slowdown breaks this game. This, okay, okay. This version of the game. So I'll, I will say that, yeah. um, that's going to be the biggest hit against this version. In fact, there is a ROM. I remember announcing it on this show a couple of years ago. I remember Somebody that did a ROM hack and basically fixed that. <laughs> so you can yeah. play a full, you know, obviously it's not 60 frames a second, but a full speed with no drop frame version of this game. Um, and you can watch on, you know, side by sides on YouTube and stuff. Um, the thing about this game and, uh, oh, first of all, I just looked at this, this playthrough and I realized this particular person played through twice. So it's 48 minutes all the way. Through. Okay. Okay. That's closer to what I thought. Okay. Um, I still only made it about 20 minutes into this game to like the fire level this time yeah. around. I've made it further in the past, but it takes some practice. I think I've made it to. Uh, the first boss rush before. Um, but here's the thing with this game and all Gradius games. It's a great game until you hit that first continue. And then you might yeah. as well shut it off. And that's been me <laughs> with every Gradius game because the game is built to challenge you as you gain more and more options, more and more weapons. And then you die. Yeah. You lose everything and you don't keep moving forward. It stops you and brings you back halfway through the level or all the way to the beginning of the level, and you lost everything you had, except right. your speed up is highlighted because That's it right. knows you would never get any further if you were slow. So you have to hit speed up immediately to get you to a reasonable speed, and then you just, you'll spend continue after continue just trying to get far enough to get enough weapons to, to move forward again. Yep. And you might get lucky enough to go on another run and start getting powered up enough to, to get a chance again. And if you die again, you, I, you, you throw your controller and turn it off. I I wish if they can make one change for every Gradius game, it's just... Uh, and they do it for Salamander and Life Force. That's a change they do have with those games. Oh, really? Is if you die, your ship blows up, it keeps scrolling forward, for, uh, keeps scrolling forward in the level, and your ship shows up again. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That would fix so many problems. So many problems with this game. Um, and every Gradius game. That being said, I, I love the graphics. I love the way it looks. Uh, maybe it's nostalgia or whatever. I like the way it looks better than Thunder Force. Um, 
Really? Thunder Force has more going on. It's more technically impressive, but yeah. there's something about the style of this game. The fact that you can focus on what every enemy looks like and they're really unique and cool. I love the way they're drawn. It feels more precise. Yeah. Um, as a game, I, I, I prefer the way this one looks. So, Okay. Uh, so what are you going to give this one, Eric? Yeah. I mean, let me look at what I... You went seven out, we both went seven out of nine on Thunder Force. Seven out of nine. Um, I, 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 I enjoyed my time with Gradius Three. I did. Um, I'm looking through my notes here because I want to see if there's anything I missed here, but I don't think so. I think it's. Uh, I think we kind of covered everything. Um, I think I'm going to give it. God, it's going to be very close. I'm going to give it. I. Again, the reason we play games is to have fun, and I think I had a little more fun with Thunder Force 3, so I'm going to give this one a 6.5 out of 9. I literally had this number in my head before we started, before I heard you, so I don't okay. think I'm make, trying to make suspense here. No, no, no. As a game, yes, I like Gradius 3 more, and I would give it a 7.5. However, I am not rating Gradius 3 the game. I am rating... Gradius 3 on the Super Nintendo mm-hmm. and the slowdown kills this game. I'm going to give it a 6.5 as well. So we have a tie, don't we? We No, we both we both put Thunder Force at 7 and Gradius at 6.5. So Oh, we did. We agreed to the to the half a point on both games. Oh, that's right. We did. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. So Thunder Force ends up winning. Thunder Force is the one. Yep. But both barely. great games. They're both great games. I just I would say play Gradius three on a different method or download the, the fixed ROM. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you could download the fixed ROM or both of these games have come out on compilations. The Saturn actually had uh, Thunder Force packs where you could get like Thunder Force, you know, a, a, a two or three of the different versions in a pack. I'd be very curious uh, to play the arcade versions of these games, I bet there'd be a bigger difference in feel. Yeah, not to mention like in Gradius where you're like, if you could edit your loadout, does it give you a time limit? Cause it's an arcade game. You can't yeah. go on there forever. So I would, I do, I would, we, yeah, we, we should try to play the arcade games or at least watch some videos or something of it. Um, that would be pretty interesting, but, um, we need, we Gradius need to- is a style of game though. That is classic. I mean, it is a classic style so i i do enjoy those games very much yeah gradius the thunder force series uh darius does the side scrolling thing yep um what's the one i'm missing there's another big side scrolling one i'm totally missing yeah it's gonna kill me until i can think of it nothing's coming to my mind right now but um there's a horizontal horizontal shmup Horizontal. You're looking it up? Yep. So while you're doing that, I want to do one more thing here, even though we're just doing this live to tape. Yep. I am going to look at side-by-side comparison, again, with no audio here on YouTube. And this will be a good test, right? Because we were talking about basically the Genesis, right, with its blast processing versus the Super Nintendo. (laughs) Right. And so now we're looking at... So there's like R-Type. I don't know if that's what you're talking about. R-Type. Yep, that's what I'm talking about. That's exactly yep. it. Okay. 
Um, so I'm I'm looking at a side by side, more or less, okay. of Sega Genesis version versus Super Nintendo version. Yeah. And uh, yep, I'll tell you right now. Yeah, I I have my Super- opinion already just by this quick little little look of it. Okay, what's your opinion? I think the, the Genesis one looks way better. It's bigger and faster. Yeah, the, the Super Nintendo one's chugging. It's chugging, and I don't like the menu as as I think the Genesis menus up there look a lot better and are out of the way. Why would you have things on both top and bottom? You're kind of taking real estate there. So, and the Super Nintendo one has smaller, looks like a smaller sprite too. Yep. Interesting. So, Genesis wins there for sure. Genesis, I think. Yeah, Genesis is smooth, and the Super Nintendo one's like chugging. It's like we, yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. Interesting. So I think cool. that's just the hard, you know blast processing, whether it's real or not, <laughs> whatever you want to call that. Exactly. That's what I like. I like the Genesis smoothness. It just chugs. It goes. So. Yep. Interesting. All right. Yeah. That is Battle of the Systems, and that is episode one twenty two of Pixel Guide. In Eric. Yes. Uh, now I'm doing the hand rubbing thing in the mic. Exactly. Let's both rub the hand. Uh, but no, Tim will be on with us next episode, which we are, if we're pulling back the curtain here, we're not recording everything today. We're going to have to wait until later in the month to record with Tim, which will make the show a little fresher, a little yeah. more to date. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll um, play some of the stuff we did in the news and be able to talk about it. I don't know. Yep. Got to spend some extra time on these Bomberman games. <laughs> have to? See, you're really giving away the games you chose right now, Eric. <laughs> You know, yeah. there's little hints. I'm picking up on them. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about my games, I think. Good. Uh, no, I, I need to put some more time into it, which worked out Me well. Too. So, All right, Eric, we will, as we said, uh, do uh, six good Bomberman games. We're going to have uh, Cody's Corner, where I talk about that uh, uh, Gravatar Recharge Atari game. Yeah, I'll do a little review on that. We're going to, of course, have our game show, which we like to do. And we're going to catch up. So all that and more on next episode 123 of Pixel Guy Dan. Until then, Eric, please remember, it's dangerous dangerous to to go go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguyden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guyden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixel guide in. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. 